Oh, hey, is this thing on? We're live. We're happening. It's Friday, heading into the weekend. And you know you got to go through me to get to the weekend. That's not a bad thing. We have a good time. We got a great time celebrating heroes of health, freedom, and healing liberty today. And, uh, man, I'm glad you're here. Yesterday, we thought we had him on. There was a snafu in the scheduling, but no problem. My friend, Dr. Kirk Moore, who the feds are likening to some kind of dangerous criminal for disposing of, according to their uh, indictment, uh, uh, government property improperly. It's like, really? There's an indictment about that? You can do that? And who owns the government? Uh, big questions there, but we'll get to them. And uh, others who say he's a hero because he responded to the needs of patients who weren't being responded to by many or any other doctors in his area. We'll talk to Dr. Kirk Moore after, uh, well, a few minutes when we open. Also, in hour two, we have a, a brand new guest. I have not met, well, briefly, I said hello to him earlier, Chad Nedland. Uh, and he lost his son. His son passed away. It's like, there's some stories here we got to cover. Uh, but uh, we've got some links, and he sounds like a, another bright light to add to the uh, 1,700, almost 1,800 guests we've had on the Robert Scott Bell Show now in our 24th year of broadcast healing. So can we still trust doctors at all? I know that's a kind of a generic question. Or do we go to the individual context of uh, who is your doctor? What is he or she all about? We'll get to that and a whole lot more on the Robert Scott Bell Show, robertscottbell.com slash listen. And then also remind you about the world premiere online of Utah Safe and Effective, an apolitical documentary about the injuries and things that we can do to help others, help each other. All right. With that, let's get this healing party started, Super Don. The Robert Scott Bell Show. Robert Scott Bell Show. Voice of health, freedom, and liberty. The Robert Scott Bell Show. When I speak of health, freedom, I speak about it for everyone. Yes, even medical doctors. You know, y'all assume that I hate medical doctors. No, that's never been the issue. It's been about acknowledging the restrictions and limitations on healers of all stripes and colors and backgrounds and training to do that, which they're trained to do and even go beyond that above and beyond that, I shall say when they are called to do so, if they recognize that healing encompasses not just body and mind, but spirit as well, that we are guided by something far more intelligent, far more wise than any medical school or medical school training or non-medical school training. That there are aspects of being called to serve in a moment that you could be called by spirit to serve in a way that seems to be, while contravening maybe everything you've been trained to do, or certainly what certain aspects of the controlling elements within government designed to limit the freedom to heal, designed to limit the innovation in healing that is necessary at any given moment to respond to something unique and new in an individual. Not a one-size-fits-all, everybody gets a jab because it's the greatest thing since ever, right? Like mRNA injections, which we see what a disaster that is. But long before there were mRNA inject injections, the entirety of what I've talked about, the vaccination industrial complex, is based on a lie. It's based on a deception. 
that all you need is an antibody and you will be set free from any disease or a specific given disease that they link to the antibody, which they'll usually claim it could be a viral, bacterial, fungal issue. Yet that lie has perpetrated because of our fear of germs. Going back before the 20th century, when we began to understand that enhancing sanitation, sewage, and hygienic practices was more critical to the survival of the species from a young age to an old age, whatever that old age may be by design, much older than I think that we accept as standard aging. We have been embraced in a fear, if you will. And it's weird to be embraced by fear because you think of an embrace, you think a loving embrace. No, this is not a loving embrace. Fear is a, oh, it's a cold chill. Like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? Causes us not to think critically. Causes us to become stupid. And then we rely on authority, authority or authoritarians within any given, let's say, training. And when it comes to medicine, there is a worship of the medical community and those within it, those who have achieved high levels, what I call a medical degree, a degree that provides some evidence of an education or an indoctrination to ultimately not look at you nutritionally. In other words, how are you man or why are you manifesting any given symptom or symptoms? Never ever look outside of the extreme deficiencies like beriberi or scurvy. Do we ever acknowledge in the medical profession that, yeah, there might be a nutritional relationship to a symptom or series of symptoms that we can correct, not by a patented FDA approved drug, but by a nutritional supplement or food that's grown organically. Used to be called food. Now we have to say it's organic to know whether it's safe to eat. And even then, it's not as pure as what we would think organic would be based on various environmental degradations or toxicological in inflows from the mind of medical man. Yeah, I, I'm bringing up some big, big, heavy things to, to discuss today. Uh, in a few minutes, we'll be joined by my friend, Dr. Kirk Moore, who's being targeted by the federal government for not killing his patients. <laughs> I'm just like, weird, isn't it? That's right. We've got some articles. Uh, Super Don has worked really hard today. I almost am afraid to have Super Don open his microphone today because he's been through the mill. It's like one of those days when nothing goes right technologically, the computer, the internet, this, that. You're like, I can't figure it out. I don't know if he's got any hair on his head left, but I'm just feeling for you, Super D. So I'm only up to you if you want to talk to the public. I don't want you like yelling at anybody that didn't deserve it. <laughs> yes, you know. there he is. I just... <laughs> I'm nervous. Are you okay? You're okay. Yeah. No. Okay? I needed a fifth of gin. You, you, uh, you picked the wrong the day to stop whatever, right? Smoking. Water. That's it, right? The stop wrong sniffing day. glue. Anyway, that's right. I'm looking at you. Do you still have hair on your head? That's good. That's yeah. uh, like I mean. Yeah, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. It's just, you know, yeah. you ever had one of those days where it's just, Nothing, nothing goes right. Something starts to go wrong and you try and fix what's wrong. And then what you're trying to do yeah. isn't working right. And, you know, all the way down to cords getting tangled mm -hmm. and, you know. Oh, you've got some Zen mastery on. going on because you're, you're, you're looking and sounding okay, despite what I know you've been through this morning. We're, we're on the air. So that's all the that matters. Yeah, we, we made it on the air. Thank God. And uh, we got a great show heading into the weekend. So 
uh, I, you know, obviously there's some major uh, updates because Saturday, for those of you watching or listening live today on March 10th, uh, 2023, March 11th, 2023, three uh, broadcast showings online of Utah Safe and Effective, the documentary film put together by the nonprofit group Health Independence Alliance. Everybody volunteered to do this. That's part of it. And uh, hundreds, if not thousands, I don't know how many. Look, I show up and I'm not a hired gun because I wasn't hired to do this. I was asked and I volunteered to help out, to be an interviewer, to to narrate and to, you know, any anything I do to facilitate that. And this is the the free online world premiere, March 11, 2023. Uh, we've got some links uh, so you can sign up for free to watch it. Three different showings on March 11th so that around the planet you have access at a reasonable time. One of those showings will work out during the daylight hours, unless you're a night owl and you can watch it in the middle of the night, wherever you are. And uh, there's some, some really good reviews coming in. I'm just grateful that this will hopefully move people, move them in a way that softens the hearts of those who have been hardened, right? Remember Pharaoh's heart was hardened and they sent all of these plagues. God sent all these plagues just, you know, soften the heart here. We're not sending a plague. What we're doing is appealing to their humanity. If it exists anymore of people that have been harmed, you know, if you think about the term, the, the pejorative term anti-vaxxer, pretty much everybody in this film that has been injured was obviously pro vaccine at one point, maybe still because they went and got the jab. Now, some, some were coerced and deceived into getting it. And most feel like uh, they were deceived at the very least, but they're left in the lurch hanging without any help at all. Is that right? And that, that, that's not me arguing for, hey, go to the same people that caused your problem to solve it. But then again, there are a lot of people that are not seeing as clearly as I would like them to see. And in this documentary film, we go there. We, we talk about the scientific deficits, the political, economic, even religious conflicts of interest in terms of a 501c3 churches, synagogues, temples, mosques, et cetera. So it's, it's somewhat controversial. It's not accusatory of any one church religion, but it, it addresses the conflicts that were there and proposes some possible solutions to consider that may not have been considered ever before. So I would love for you guys and gals to not only watch it, but share it. And if you can't make it on Saturday, as soon as I know more about where it'll be available afterwards, obviously we'll tell you. Now, going to the first article uh, of the day here in the show notes at robertscottbell.com, it's at Brownstone Institute. Can we still trust the doctor? This is an article by Alan Lash. And uh, he goes through the history of uh, many of us. He says, when I was growing up, I learned to trust my doctor. My parents never said that explicitly, but I could see it in their actions. How many of you grow up in the 20th century in particular, if you're old enough and you, know, you may be baby boomers and Gen Xers primarily. And for the most part, you just dutifully went to the doctor. Your parents brought you to the pediatrician. You got your shots. No, but no questions asked. And back in the day, it was three or four shots, maybe five or six, and you'd be on your way. Now I've talked about my adverse event to the smallpox vaccine. They kept, they, they were giving it up until what, 71 or 72. And then I guess they didn't need to because Nixon closed the gold window. Uh, how did I relate the smallpox shots to going off the gold standard altogether? That's a weird thing to do, but that's what I think about. What are these coincidental <laughs> aspects of history that occurred at the same time? It's like, what, did we not need to jab them with smallpox after because Nixon said no more gold? 
can be redeemed for the U.S. dollar. Yeah, up until uh, the, uh, the mid was it the mid nineteen eighties during the Reagan administration, Larry McDonald and, and Ron Paul went to Ronald Reagan and said, "Hey, there's a problem here. If we do not start issuing gold and silver." independent of the Federal Reserve. In other words, if you do not have, if the United States does not have an independent treasury, then we are not a nation under the law of nations. And this, this is me on a Friday kind of going off on path, calf paths of the mind, but important nonetheless to restore integrity to, again, economic systems. But look at what I'm trying to explain in terms of restoring integrity to medical and immunological realities. And if we look at doctors promoting the vaccine agenda, whether it be previous versions of vaccines or the mRNA injection, which I would argue is not the same thing, but hey, they changed the definition. So what are you going to do? With the uh, intent of establishing, you know, or, or finding that holy grail in immunology, the antibody, despite the fact that you can have an antibody and still get the so-called disease. And the fact that you might not have the antibody or any antibodies for a given disease and you don't get it, or it doesn't manifest. It doesn't express. Because disease manifests, dis-ease manifests differently in each of us, even with same or similar exposures. Therefore, COVID was not the same in everybody. But that's true of anything. Even chickenpox doesn't manifest the same in everybody, much less measles and other childhood eruptive diseases that are rites of passage that may not actually be disease, but might be aspects of our journey to maturity, physio physiological maturity of different things, including the immune system, including the liver and things like that. But who looks at it? Who talks about it that way? Is that taught in medical school? No. Is there any homeopathy taught in medical school anymore? No, not since at least 1949. That was when I, after I had graduated Emory University, looked back and found out that they taught homeopathy on its medical school curricula up until 1949. One of the last holdouts in the American medical school establishment of the 20th century, because in 1910, the Flexner Report established that only um, the only legitimate medical schools were the ones that were teaching patent petrochemical pharmaceutical medicines approved by what would then become known as the Fear and Death Administration. I know they like to say they're the Food and Drug Administration, but I don't I don't think that's accurate. And so that entire history has led to a disaster where the hospitals have become the killing field of not the, just the 20th, but the 21st century more overt than ever. And that the peer reviewed medical literature, at least starting from when I learned of the uh, Journal of the American Medical Association article by Barbara Starfield in the year 2000, where she discussed that uh, the leading cause of death, well, on that list, number three was modern medicine. Properly used, administered, prescribed pharmaceutical drugs. Who are the gatekeepers for those drugs? The people with medical degrees. And I wanted to be one of them growing up as a child. I said, I'm going to grow up. I'm going to be a doctor. That's what I want. That's what I'm here to do. I'm, I love healing. I want to help people get well. I want to relieve suffering because I suffered because I was not well. I was sick my entire young life through the first 24 years, although I gave up on modern medicine around 19 years of age. Told the story many times, just going through a quicker review here to get you up to speed as we talk about this article of can we trust doctors? No, in the plural, hell no. Can you trust a doctor? Well, possibly. But you want to know their track record. You want to know what they know to the best of your ability and how they perceive your ailments and illnesses. You also want to know how often they have a bowel movement.
Because if they're going less frequently than you, then they're full of you know what, and you should find another doctor. Just saying. The physiological processes that have gone awry are not due to drug deficiencies. There is no such thing as a drug and or there's no such thing as a vaccine deficiency disease. Not every doctor knows this even today, but many doctors have woken up in the last three years more than ever before in my history of interacting with the medical community as a homeopath. Never before have I seen the spirit of, of, of cooperation among all doctors, many different backgrounds than before COVID happened. So there's the blessing in disguise, the silver lining in the midst of a disastrous, deadly campaign to diminish the population on planet Earth artificially. During that time, you've heard me talk about this on a weekly basis. I would be meeting with doctors, MDs, DOs, NDs, homeopaths, herbalists, massage therapists, nurses, energy healers and lay people that just had a genuine interest in healing naturally weekly for the most part during the COVID crisis. And I heard of many others that were doing the same thing around the country and somewhere around the world. But suddenly, maybe for the first time, many allopathically trained medical doctors said there's something wrong, horribly, terribly wrong. And, and some doctors stood up and filled the gap, even though it was not in their best ec economic self-interest or even professional best self-interest because of the attacks on them in media, through their state licensing boards, through various, um, well, what other mechanisms of control? The ownership and control of our regulatory bodies by the pharmaceutical church. Disastrous death cult, that is, the the modern medical control of the medical man or medical mind. Yet there are some that woke up. We featured many of them here on this show, and there's many more to say welcome to the Robert Scott Bell Show where the water's warm and non-toxic and doesn't involve utilizing any drugs. But if it does, we support your freedom to do so in full consciousness with fully informed consent, like those that are using hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin, along with dietary mineral supplements, homeopathy, silver, and all of that. We support all of that. Copper as well. In freedom, we can get through these things. In freedom, there is innovation. When we are dealing with a central bureaucratic, autocratic, authoritarian regime or controlling mechanism or mechanisms, there is only death and dismemberment and destruction and disempowerment that occurs. And not every doctor is willing to stand up in the face of the threats to their ability to, to speak, much less engage in what they've been trained or what they learned after their official medical training. To respond to the needs of those who were in need that were not being met by other doctors. And I believe we have someone like that today on the Robert Scabell Show. Dr. Kirk Moore is one of those folks I met in the last three years who was outraged by what his own profession wasn't doing in responding to people in desperate need, finding out from other doctors and pharmacists and, you know, whether it be holistic or allopathically trained, that there were doctors that were doing good work and seeing a hundred percent success rate and saving lives, not waiting for them to go into hospitals to be put on kidney killing drugs like remdesivir and ventilators that very few people recovered from and survived. And in the, uh, 
I guess under the headline, no good deed goes unpunished. You've heard of that? The federal government did not like what this one doctor decided to do to help people in need, to respond to their needs in full consciousness, not deceptively, but in response to the needs out there of those individuals that he decided, you know what, I am going to do what the Hippocratic Oath tells me I should do. And the question is, as some of you may in controversy say, but, but, but did he really, did he, is it right on and on? These questions are legitimate. They're okay to ask. And I think Dr. Kirk Moore is perfectly willing to engage in them. I've seen him lecture in front of the, uh, a group of people last Friday with questions coming in and he didn't shirk away, shy away from anything other than what's involved in the case the federal government has laid on him and the discovery he may not be able to reveal. But with that, I've said enough. I want to bring Dr. Kirk Moore into the mix here on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Kirk, how are you, buddy? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I'm just sending you a lot of prayers and love and support. and And I know the folks in this audience will probably, if they don't know you yet, will come to understand your motivations for what you did or what you allegedly did. And you can go through that for the audience and also may want to support you in various ways to help you um, stand your ground as you did in helping others. And now you're attacked for it by the feds who have dangerous conflicts of interest in promoting, um, well, things that to be injected that we know are dangerous at the very least, deadly, uh, at the very most, but in any case, something that we have not been granted informed consent on, and many physicians uh, have just gone along, nurses have just gone along, but for some reason you didn't. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's kind of funny to be in this, you know, in this position right now, to be honest with you. It's uh, never thought that treating your patients the way they want to be treated would, you know, kind of bring the federal government down on you. Um, you want me to kind of go into a little bit of my story? Yes, please. I, I want people to understand your backstory, your motivation, what you encountered, because, you know, I, look, I know it. And some people that know, you know it, but many yeah. people might just be hearing it. If vice comes out with their article hit piece, I'm sure they were trying to interview me and you and a lot of other people, not with the interest of finding out the facts and truths, but to basically disseminate disinformation like so many that have an agenda. What is your agenda? Well, you know, like all the articles that have already been published, or, or at least the initial ones that were published, it's interesting that mainstream news came out with all of this stuff about me back in uh, late January, about the what, 17th, 18th, 19th of January when the indictment came down. Um, and everybody kind of published all their articles, you know, about me and, um, and what I had allegedly done and um, all the money that I allegedly took and all the money that I absconded from the government and everything that I threw away that was, you know, valuable and everything else. Uh, it, it's, you know, again, interesting to see that there's actually been nothing that I've seen, nothing's been written about me other than positive articles since that time. Um, so nobody showed up my, you know, at, at my arraignment on the 26th other than supporters. Um, and, you know, and it's just kind of, uh, it, it's, it's gone silent. So, um, you know, it starts with me back in 2020 um, with uh, just treatment. Um, people coming to me, my patients, my family, my friends coming to me because nobody else would treat them. Um, 
And, you know, I'm, I'm a plastic surgeon. I don't, I don't take care of the flu and symptoms like that all the time. And, uh, you know, you do for your close friends. I mean, obviously everybody comes up to you and asks you, Hey, how do you, you know, how do you deal with this? Or, you know, what should be my dose of, you know, insulin for, you know, coming from your, you know, your best friend's, you know, sister or something like that. But, you know, short of that, it's not something that people typically ask me of, um, or ask of me. Um, but when they're coming to you and they're, and they know that you've treated their friends because their friends are either friends of mine or staff or, you know, or my family or whatever. Um, and they say, Hey, I'm having the same issues. Can you help me out? Um, or they come to you and they say, I just got sent home from the emergency room because my, even though I have shortness of breath and even though my oxygen saturations are 90%, um, you know, they say that there's nothing to do. How, how can I get better? Cause I feel like crap. Yeah. Come um, back when you're on death's door and, and we'll give you things right. that'll kill you. I, I mean, right. you saw this happening. You learned of this, not only from within your own profession, but seeing people outside of it being treated right. in this way. Right. There, there must've been something that, you know, triggered an outrage. That's my sense of it. Well, there's no doubt. I mean, there's nothing else in medicine that we've ever done that, uh, you know, you don't treat people, you know, first, you know, you, you find out symptoms and you treat those symptoms. I mean, that's what you're taught to do. That's what you want to do. That's, you know, that that's what we've done for our whole careers. I mean, I graduated from medical school in 93. Um, and, you know, and, and that's all I've done. You know, it's kind of like the, I, I use this analogy all the time. So I apologize if it's old and, you know, but uh, it, it's kind of like somebody, a lady coming to me for, um, you know, or, or a lady going in and, getting a mammogram, a screening mammogram at age 42 or something. And they see a little spicule on her, on her, you know, on her mammogram that might be concerning. And the doctor says to her, Oh, well, don't worry about it. When it starts eroding through your skin, that's the time to treat it. Um, so come on back and, you know, and see me. And that's yeah. the same, that's the equivalent here. You know, you, you're, we, we've taught, we've always been taught to treat things early, address things early. Um, and then that way we might be able to reverse the process or, or cure you of your problem. So uh, when did we ever change that? When was it? Why all of a sudden in 2020 are we not allowed to do that anymore? How was your interaction to learn about other physician friends around the country and around the world, maybe not in your locale because people are coming to you going, no one else will help me, uh, to learn about um, from an allopathic perspective, at the very least, the hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin context, as well as zinc and other things. Uh, did this happen from, uh, you know, online podcasts or, or, or message boards going out to the medical community? Uh, where is it that you learned of this and, and began to integrate it and see success? Well, you know, it started with me um, back when, you know, when, when our government shut us down uh, in middle of March. Um, I actually closed my office a week before that because, you know, I didn't know what was going on and I was worried about it. I was trying to kind of keep up with it, but I've got a job and take care of my kids, taking them to school, you know, doing all that. And so I was kind of worried. I didn't know what it was. You see these videos of people just keeling over dead and you see all this stuff and, you know, all this fear porn going on. And so I, I didn't know. Um, and so I, I shut my office down from the time that I shut my office down until the government closed us down here, which I think was 24th or 25th of April um, in Utah or sorry, 24th to 25th of March, um, I had done a full 180. And yes, I had done, you know, research online. I was reading articles. I was looking at pod, listening to podcasts. I think that was the same about, about the same time that Dr. Zelenko came out and started talking about, you know, hydroxychloroquine and the research that he'd done, the video that he'd sent to Donald Trump and, you know, all that stuff's coming out. Um, Peter McCullough, um, 
you know, all of the, you know, all the docks that were out, um, you know, out early, you know, in that summer, you start seeing um, the America's frontline doctors, you start seeing uh, Paul Merrick and Pierre Corey, um, you start seeing all these guys that are coming out and talking about the options that are out there and the treatment options. And then you start seeing the government kind of like running these tests or running these studies with 12x the dose of hydroxychloroquine done seven to 10 days after the onset of symptoms and claiming that that article tells you that, you know, this is a dangerous drug and people are dying. They put out a narrative and start showing pictures of these lines running out um, hospitals because all the people that were keeping the were keeping the beds busy were people that were taking overdoses and dying or having heart problems from hydroxychloroquine. Uh, it was just comical, um, and I, you know, and so you just start getting, um, you, you just start realizing that this is just, uh, you know, it's just a fraud right from the get go. Um, and it, it's kind of, you know, I, I went into this 2019, 2017, 20, I mean, the late 20 teens, kind of, you know, a little bit of a cynic, not really knowing what, you know, what was right or what was wrong, but, you know, I was going to confirm it before I make a decision, you know, so anything that comes from the media or anything that comes from the news or anything that you see online or whatever you see coming out, you know, you kind of, you know, look at it a little cynically. Okay, well, I'll, I'll, I'll take that with a grain of salt and I'll go research it. Now I've reached the point where almost anything that I see, I believe the complete and total opposite. Right? Yeah, you've you've, uh, you've gone to the George Carlin School of Postgraduate <laughs> Medical Studies. Uh, you know, if the government says it, uh, do the opposite almost. Correct. Don't believe it. And, you know, that was the question in the opening article a little bit of uh, can you trust doctors? And I said, in the plural, not only no, but hell no. Uh, in the individual, again, individually, we must look and assess each physician and what they know, what they do based on what they know, what they've learned, what is their status in terms of their health? All of these things must be asked. And then I would say, expand the definition of doctor to encompass many of the people you've been interacting with the last three years. Naturopaths, homeopaths, herbalists, nurses, you know, everybody coming together and sharing their expertise, not to denigrate another's, but to build on the reason we got into healing in the first place. Right, well, yeah, so part of that whole thing was shutting down the narrative, right? Or shutting down, shutting down any kind of conversation or shutting down any discourse, shutting down anything that didn't agree with what the government narrative was. And, and again, that's not science. There is no, the, the, the term scientific consensus doesn't, you know, is an oxymoron. You know, there is no such thing as a scientific consensus. Science changes every day. You know, and, and the, the epitome of that was just a couple of weeks ago with Rochelle Walensky getting on television, being interviewed or whatever it was, a press conference, or maybe it was in front of Congress. I don't remember, but somebody asked the question about, are you going to make any changes to your recommendations for kids and masks with all this new data that's come out with masks, in addition to all the old data that never supported the use of masks in the first place? So there's no support for it. They make a whole bunch of changes. And then all the new data points to the fact that it doesn't do anything and it doesn't help. As a matter of fact, it's been extremely detrimental, you know, to the growth of kids and everything else. And she's like, no, we're not going to make any changes. I mean, what is your job? Your job as the director of the CDC is to com compile the evidence and then make assessments and make changes and make determinations based on that. So yeah. if you're not going to take in that data and take in that evidence and make a, you know, and, and, and 
make a decision from that scientific data bank and data, you know, data points that you have, then what is your job? What are you doing? Mm -hmm. So if we're to move forward and answer the question of how do we regain trust for those that are asking, how about telling the truth? Right. How about actually analyzing the data and being honest and open about it? If it doesn't meet your agendas, you know, well, we thought this, we were wrong and uh, let's, let's correct course. But as you point out, you point out the, the very correction that they refuse to make based on the evidence that they refuse to look at. And even if they acknowledge it, it's not going to change the policy per se. What a maddening scenario and, and how disappointing it is for any doctors that claim to be, uh, arbiters of truth or science to continue to follow along with the CDC, the NIAID, the Fauci's of the world, the Walensky's, et cetera, much less WHO. Uh, and how embarrassing I am for those doctors. How embarrassed I am for them. Yeah. I, it's, um, it's a travesty to me to see all these people that just through scientific uh, discourse and, um, and, and the evaluation of uh, science in general and just throw it all out the door throw it all out the window. It's kind of like throwing the baby out with the bathwater. You know, there was just no further discussion. There was no option for discussion. It was kind of like, if you don't agree with me, then you don't, you just shut up and sit by the wayside. We're going to cancel you. And they did, you know, I, I, I had to get off of Facebook and Twitter because they just, you know, wouldn't allow me to, you know, post anything on there, even CDC data. And you hear that all the time, all the, you know, all the people out there, you know, I just saw, you know, some interviews with Jay Bhattacharya and, you know, Stanford doctors that were considered fringe doctors, you know, Stanford, Harvard, Oxford University with the Great Barrington Declaration in September, October of 2020, um, you know, considered fringe doctors by our esteemed, you know, members of the FDA and CDC, right? So let's just, uh, let's sideline what these guys and what their opinion is because we don't agree with them. Yeah, it's astonishing. Or we have a second, or we have another agenda, right? Not yeah. necessarily that we don't agree with them, but our agenda is different. So the, the, the targeting of, of you as a physician and then yeah. the claims that you disposed of government property, uh, you know, in, in some way, uh, in a legal manner and uh, that you profited from it. What can you yeah. tell us about the accusations and the reality uh, without going into areas that you're not allowed to discuss at this moment? Yeah. So in January uh, 12, 11 or 12 uh, federal agents showed up in my office to serve uh, two search warrants, one for my phone and one for my office manager, Carrie's phone. Um, at the time, um, I guess the, um, uh, the grand jury indictment had actually been unsealed on the 10th. So they showed up in my office on the 11th. They did not tell us that the grand jury indictment had been unsealed. They just served the search warrant on us. Um, about a week later, we wake up to an email, or I wake up to an email um, with uh, a screenshot of an article, I think, in the Daily News or the Daily Wire or something like that, talking about a Utah plastic surgeon has been indicted for uh, fraud. Um, and, uh, you know, and then looking it up and seeing everything that was, you know, being posted about me. So um, anyway, they, 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 the indictment came out. Uh, there's three charges on there. The code, the, it's 18 U.S. Code 371, 641, 642, if people want to look it up. But basically, it's fraud that I defrauded the government, um, that I can that it was conspiracy to commit fraud, and that I aided and abetted. Um, and uh, and essentially, what they're claiming is is that I uh, gave saline shots to patients and to kids instead of giving them the actual vaccine. Um, 
and uh, and that I gave out fake uh, you know fake uh, vaccine cards. Those are the charges. Um, you know, I they're all alleged charges. Uh, oh, and, and the the so the other side of it is so the one side is is that I defrauded the government of twenty five thousand dollars worth of product. So one thousand nine hundred and thirty seven injections, either for kids or adults, whether it be from Moderna, J and J, or Pfizer. Any, you know, they they wrote them all down, itemized them all out, came out to just under twenty five thousand dollars worth of product that I defrauded the government of, um, and then I uh, purportedly took fifty dollars per injection. So they're claiming that I so close to two thousand people, close to you know a hundred thousand dollars that I profited um, from that. Um, I I did not take any money. I didn't take any money for any of the people that I treated in 2020. I didn't take any money of the people for the people that I gave vaccines to in 2021 or 2022. Um, I did not get paid for anything. I didn't bill anybody's insurance. Um, I, you know, there was absolutely zero uh, financial transactions. Um, When people were coming to me for treatment and I wasn't charging people, they asked me, Hey, can I, donate to somebody is a place that, you know, that you have or that you recommend that I donate to, you know, instead of the Red Cross or, you know, American Cancer Society or whatever. Um, uh, and so I found, you know, that organization that uh, um, was a health freedom organization and um, asked them if they had a QR code that I could send to people if they had a, you know, an inclination to want to donate. And Was so there a, a requirement? Did you make that a requirement of the That's, service? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. We treated, I, I treated people for free for uh, over a year prior to any of this. So there was no, um, you know, there, there was no way that I was going to start charging people. Look, the thing is, is that people are coming to me because they couldn't get treatment anywhere else. People are coming to me, you know, because their doctors weren't taking care of them. They were going to the emergency room or urgent care centers and they were getting sent home. And, you know, the same thing here. You know, people coming to me needing a vaccine, needing a shot. They had a, you know, a sibling in the hospital that they wanted to go visit. They had a parent or somebody that they wanted to go see in the nursing home. Um, they, you know, needed a medical treatment. Uh, they needed to keep their job. They needed to travel. Um, you know, they're in the military, you know, whatever. And so I, I just, I took care of them um, just like I had with anybody else, not charging for them. Um, and, uh, you know, managed to, again, give informed consent. Um abide by my Hippocratic oath to first do no harm. And I treated them the way they wanted to be treated. Nobody was, nobody wasn't, there was no hidden agenda. Um, and everybody, you know, they, they got what they wanted. There's a court case now. Um, I can't remember what state it's in, uh, where a lady is suing her doctor for, uh, you know, for having given the COVID shot against her, uh, against her uh, consent. You know, nothing here was done against anybody's consent. There was full, uh, what, what we call full disclosure, full informed consent, um, full informed consent, you know, unlike what the government is doing. Right. Well, I think Dr. Moore, this is probably why I hear more people refer to you as a hero than a criminal that I talk to. Uh, and many, any, anybody that learns of you, you and what you've done when they take the time to learn of what actually happened, they look at you in a quite a different way than the federal government does. And all of their conflicts of interest in foisting a dangerous and deadly, in my opinion, uh, injection of experimental nature without even getting it fully approved by and licensed by the FDA on an emergency authorization. 
which should cause anybody to pause and say, you know what? We at least need to have fully informed consent. Is that the least that you should offer? How about <laughs> the concept of, um, well, the Hippocratic Oath in uh, medicine? First, do no harm. Is that something that kind of rose up in you and said, man, this this violates that? Well, I mean, yeah, that's the, you know, that's the ethical and moral standard that we should, that most of us or all of us as physicians, not even most of us, all of us should, as physicians should live by. And so that's exactly what I did. It was, you know, first do no harm. So I'm treating people early. Um, I treated probably over, you know, 800 to a thousand patients. That's a total guesstimate. Um, and was, you know, taking care of them according to what I knew was the way to take care of them. I, I treated them according to the way they wanted to be treated. They were asking for treatment. Every single one of them got better. Every one of them. Not one went to the hospital. Not one of them died. Um, and, you know, and I've, and I've continued that to this day. I think I wrote a prescription for ivermectin just a few days ago. So um, it's definitely something that, you know, that I, I took care of and um, have been managing for the last three years. Well, what about your, what we call an ethical and moral responsibility as a physician when it conflicts with, uh, let's with say, legal. government mandates? Right. Well, how would you describe that? Yeah, so there's an AMA. AMA has a code of ethics, and their code of ethics specifically as it relates to the legal system. So if there is a conflict, and, and, and it's a known issue, it's not something that they just came up with, you know, last week or last month or last year. It's, mm-hmm. This has been an ongoing issue with you know, any of the moral or ethical codes along with, you know, as it, as it conflicts with the legal system. And so they have in their written bylaws um, talking about how to address that. Uh, and you address it by trying to change the law. So the first thing is if you, if your moral and ethical code on how you take care of your patients, excuse me, conflicts with the, um, you know, conflicts with the legal system, then you should try to change the law and you should work at trying to do that. 2019, 2020, 2021, up until this year, I, um, I was at the Capitol. I was talking to, uh, I got into fights with some of our, not fights, but, you know, discussions and, and, yeah, and yeah, no fisticuffs, we're talking no fisticuffs, about, but, you know, yeah. but, but, you know, kind of discussions with our state legislators and, and mm-hmm. trying to get them to understand what, you know, how medical system needed to work. And, you know, and we did. I mean, I think you and I were involved in some stuff where we went up to the Capitol and had them reverse the mask mandates in October of 21. Yeah, there were a lot of protests going on, a lot of lobbying from average folks that were not part of any necessarily or an organization. We're coming up as individuals saying, this is wrong. This has got to stop. How can you mask our children? Right. Hundreds and hundreds of people at the Capitol for, you know, for a special session of the elect, you know, of our legislature in in October of 2020. So, yeah. So I I tried to do that because I saw that be part of an issue. You know, they're they're keeping us from using medications. Never in medicine before have I wrote a prescription, have I written a prescription and had, you know, a pharmacist call me up and said, I'm not going to fill that for you, doctor. You're not authorized to write that prescription. Um, You know, I've been writing uh, hydroxychloroquine prescriptions since uh, 2011. Um, I, you know, I've been on three humanitarian trips. Hydroxychloroquine is a classic medication that we wrote for people to help them prevent from malaria. And I went on three humanitarian trips and I wrote prescriptions for everybody on those trips. Um, so I know about hydroxychloroquine. I, you know, I didn't understand all of the mechanisms that it had as it related to COVID or as it related to SARS type viruses, Mm -hmm. but I learned it. Um, and so, and so I knew that prescribing it wasn't going to hurt anybody. Right. Well, in, in terms of a toxicological profile, 
hydroxychloroquine is very low on the list and ivermectin as well. And, you know, this is coming from a homeopath that doesn't do drugs. It doesn't, you know, resort to drugs for his children, for instance. Yet I support the medical community that has actually intervened in this case in this way uh, to save lives. And, right. and yet I believe and perceive that I can do this and others can do it and have done it without even using those medications. But that would even be worse, according to the government. Oh, my gosh, you didn't even use drugs that we approved of, even though we don't want you to use those. Right. You know, this is a crazy, crazy time that I've been pointing out for decades on my show and my uh, humble uh, career as a as a natural healer, so to speak. But uh, well, even, even hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin don't work without zinc. Right? right. And then we've already talked about that, too, where if you, if you give too much zinc, then you need the supplement because, you know, it, it, you need some other, you know, other minerals. Copper, and, right. Yeah. And, you know, and everything else. And, and, and you know, so, yes, it's it, it's all, a you know, it, for us to believe that, you know, we know enough about the human body and our immune system and how all of us work is is hubris. Um, and it's uh, exceedingly um, arrogant on our part to, you know, to take that, you know, to, to not look at the bigger picture. Um, yeah. So, um, anyway, I think we got a little off topic. I didn't answer your full question. No, no, we're, so. we're good. No, I mean, I appreciate you taking the time with us today. I know how busy you are and you're still running your medical practice as a, a plastic surgeon as well. And having to deal with, you know, a, a potentially freedom destructive event and being attacked by the federal government in court to say you've been engaged in some criminal activity. So uh, I want to hear that human story that, you know, I know some of it behind the scenes. I don't know all of it, obviously, but uh, I'm glad that you can share this with the audience. Hey, Super Don, did you add those articles? I want people to have access to those articles that people are writing about you to give more uh, depth and, and breadth of, of the situation. Also, uh, to understand how folks can support you for those that are so inclined to look at your efforts as heroic, not not uh, criminal. Uh, and there are a number of ways to do that. And we have... Uh, Let's see. Peter McCullough has written about it and, and uh, John Leake, his co-author, one of his books. There's others that have uh, also put it out. Dr. Paul Alexander have written in support of you. We have a, a link in the show notes to standformore.com and that's stand, F-O-R-M-O-O-R-E. Dr. Moore's last name spelled M-O-O-R-E, standformore.com uh, that you can go to to make a donation or go directly to the Give, Send, Go because it could likely cost a million dollars to defend yourself against a government that seemingly has unlimited funds to use, uh, you know, even your money against you. Uh, yeah, well, they're using my my own money. They're using your money. They're using everybody else's money to kind of to use me as an example for here. This is what you shouldn't do, or this is what's going to happen to you if you don't abide by what our rules and regulations tell you to do. Um, and that's all it is, really, is rules and regulations. There are no laws um, that have been established to you know, to allow them to do this. Even the EUA that they're using this, you know, um, uh, that they're using as their authority to kind of push out on this requires them to give uh, informed consent to their patients or to our patients, um, which wasn't done. I mean, you, you get a, um, you get a product that gets sent to you and has a, and that, and you open the box up and inside the box, it's got, you know, the list of ingredients and it's completely empty. Yeah. Um, and we've seen that on a number of websites. But you're also supposed to, you know, so inf so you're supposed to give them informed consent. So you can't. So somebody asks you, well, what am I injecting? You don't really know. Yeah. You know, what, what's in it? Well, we don't know. Let me look at the piece of paper here. Let me tell you what the ingredients are. The ingredients As a physician, it's got to be weird that there are a lot of physicians, colleagues of yours that don't even give a flip about it. They don't even care. You point that out like, well, I'm just doing what I'm told. Where have we heard right. that before? Yeah. 
Um, and, uh, and then on top of that, the EUA, I think the third stipulation in the EUA by under which they're, you know, kind of deploying all of this, uh, says specifically in there that they're not allowed to coerce people. So, you know, how can somebody go out? The government says, well, if you don't do this, then you're going to get kicked out of the military. And if a hospital doesn't require their, their staff or their nurses to get injected, then they're going to lose their federal monies. How is that not coercion? And that's specifically delineated in the EUA that it's not allowed. Um, so, and, you know, that was, I was going to say there, you know, there still is no FDA approved product in the United States. Okay. So we have this COVID vaccine uh, that's on the childhood vaccination schedule mm. and there is no current FDA approved product for sale, for purchase, for use in the United States. Yeah, it's an absolute mess until they get full liability protection. The manufacturers of those products never want to put them on the market, which tells you all you need to know about the legitimacy of them. Who who could not and would not stand behind their products in such a way that, hey, you know what? If we have done it wrong, then yeah, you can come sue us. Of course, it's a lovely thing to never have to be worrying about you know, being sued or charged for a crime, right. but that's something that our federal government, you know, was never invested with that kind of power. And it was the constitutional basis for the start of America, where we wouldn't have kings, queens, and emperors that had that kind of power to basically say, you're my friend, you can even kill people and nobody can come after you, I will protect you, right, from liability for your action. And that's what we see with the uh, vaccine manufacturers. Now, you mentioned the military. There's an article here about thousands of unvaccinated service members could still be booted out over the rescinded COVID-19 policy. Uh, Representative yes. Jim is that, Banks, the one, is that the one in New Orleans? Is that the one in Louisiana? This says Representative Jim Banks and the Biden administration want to purge conservative service members from the military. So <laughs> me- members of the House so are now political, political discrimination. Yeah, exactly. Based on the fact that you didn't want one, we know now you're not one of us, so we want you out, even though the policy is not in place anymore. But we recognize that you might have a conservative love for a country, and you might not be willing to follow orders by blue-helmeted UN troops or UN officers, whatever you want to call them. And so it's the next level of what we have seen that is not, it really doesn't have anything to do with the vaccine or not. It's just about compliance. Right. with unconstitutional orders like this. Right. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, it's a travesty where we've come. We've come, there. Our, uh, our country has gone off the rails so quickly in these last three years. I mean, you can kind of see it piece by piece kind of come in and a little bit here and a little bit there. But in the last three years, um, and, you know, it's, it, it's been a, um, it's been a, what is it, ash, the ash experiment in the 50s. Um, where you know you're you're shocking people, and it was 62% of people actually um, with the position of authority would actually shock somebody with a lethal dose, um, you know, just because somebody with a white lab coat is telling them that they need to do it. Um, you know, the same thing here. You know, they 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 know psychology tells you that if you know if you comply with a mask, a quote unquote mask mandate, which is a you know, another benign mandate. It's not going to hurt anybody. And, you know, but 82% of those people will then also abide by the next 
thing that comes down the pike. And so the next thing was six feet away. The next thing was don't, you know, no more family gatherings. Don't go see your family. Don't go, you know, don't go visit people. Don't travel. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, take this vaccine, you know, that we don't know what's in it. Uh, you know, so 82% of those people will make, will take that next step. And that's just, it's a, it's a psychological operation that's been, you know, foisted upon us as a, as a world population. So what can people do? I, I, I've got the links in the show notes, the standformore.com as well as your give, send, go. Anything else people can do to help you in your defense? And I think there are others involved that are being accused of a, a crime or somehow conspir- conspiring with you uh, that are also maybe needing help. But uh, what, what can people do? Well, so we do have that Give, Send, Go, um, you know, donation site, uh, you know, Give, Send, Go, Stand for More, standformore.com website that was set up by friends and family of mine to kind of help contribute. You know, I'm covering the costs of my staff members um, and, uh, you know, and my, my neighbor, Chris, uh, for right now is, is covering her, you know, legal expenses. But I'm trying to, you know, kind of all this money is going to go towards covering our legal expenses. We've been told that given, you know, where we are and how extensive this is and what the government's position is that this is going to be anywhere. It's going to be at least a million dollar, um, you know, a million dollar deal. I mean, we're, I think we've collected 76, $77,000 to date so far. Um, so anything will be appreciated. The other thing is people just need to stand up, you know, and we, and we need to go back to the, the Nancy Reagan motto, which is just say no. Um, and, you know, we, we just need to stand up and realize that um, un- until we push back a little bit, the government is going to just keep pushing. They're going to keep taking away our freedoms. I mean, just what we see in Congress just this last week where they're trying to get Matt Taibbi and um, and uh, Michael Schellenberger, Schellenberger to give up their, you know, give up their sources of, you know, who they got their information from. Uh, you know, that's a violation of their First Amendment, they, you know, and and so it's it's a until we start pushing back, there's more of us than there are of them. And until they realize that there's you know, that, that we're not going to tolerate it anymore, they're just yeah. going to keep pushing. Yeah. Kurt, well, I'm glad that you're appearing on numerous media outlets are picking up this story in many places, pushing back against the the, the narrative. Uh, that is you know, very narrow in, in its scope to believe that just because the government says you have to do it, you have to do it with no acknowledgement of moral and ethical responsibility to disobey not only unconstitutional edicts or mandates or prohibitions, but let's say rules, guidelines and orders that could result in harm and death to the patients. You know, where are the doctors standing up? There are a few. We feature them here. Dr. Moore, do you have any message to doctors that are still silently uh, cowering in fear rather than stepping up like you? No, I, th- I think it's the same thing. I think people just need to, you know, our people in our profession have been, a, you know, an overall disappointment, in my opinion, you know, for their lack of ability to stand up to the, you know, to, to their own code of ethics, to their own Hippocratic Oath, um, and to first do no harm. Um, and I think they need to stand stand up and they need to start saying, hey, um, I know a lot of them have and they've all been really quiet for, you know, for not wanting to be um, chastised and, and publicly humiliated and, and, and be, you know, shadow banned and, uh, you know, and discriminated against in all kinds of ways. Um, but, you know, they, again, there's more of us than there are of them and we need to stand up and we need to stand firm. We need to stand together. Um, and push back on this, you know, on this whole kind of uh, medical tyranny. Um, and, you know, some people call it a mass genocide. So 
Um, I, I just, I, I really think that we, it has been proven over and over again that um, that what we're doing is hurting more people than we are saving. And mm -hmm. so we need to realize that as a profession and stand by and get on the right side of history here. And Dr. Kirk Moore, as we wrap up this hour with you, and you know, maybe we'll get you back on again as things evolve. What is your experience or how would you describe your interaction over the last three years with non-doctor doctors, right? The homeopaths, the naturopaths, the herbalists, the chiropractors, the, you know, you, you don't want to say there's this an elitist view of one version of medicine over all others. How have you interacted and survived your interaction with these natural people? Well, I've always been open to it. I mean, I, I, I started doing natural hormone replacement therapy back in the early 2000s. Um, and I've always been open to it. And I just think more people need to be more open to it. You know, you mentioned the Flexner report, you know, from 113 years ago now. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's a travesty that we, that, you know, food is, food is the best, you know, is, is the best medicine. Um, yeah. and like you said, now you have to, now food isn't food anymore because it's all been modified. So now you have to, you know, it's, it's now it has to be, you know, labeled organic food. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, yeah, it's crazy, but you know, we need to stop just, you know, people need to start kind of just thinking for themselves again and getting back to kind of the basics, I guess, is the foundation of, you know, kind of human principles and realizing that, you know, good food, um, you know, good levels of exercise, uh, you know, getting outside, doing some normal things and, and, and good spiritual relationships, good family relationships, uh, and everything else is just going to make you a much healthier person overall. Yeah, we all have to get a doctorate in common sense to be able to see that. <laughs> yeah. if we become doctors. You, yeah. Unfortunately, you can't teach that anymore. Common sense isn't, you know, that's something that, you know, tends to come from your family. So uh, at least that's my opinion. But yeah. uh, anyway, Dr. Kerbmore, uh, God bless you. I love you. Appreciate you. And I know a lot of people are, uh, uh, you know, learning about you for the first time and saying this is a travesty. This is not justice. The federal government going after you over this issue. And uh, as more uh, comes out, you know, more evolves. I'll have you back on. Give us some updates, and uh, hopefully, all y'all will support Dr. Moore and his colleagues in defense uh, against this. Uh, you know, I, I just look at it as an unnecessary attack, a waste, a wasteful attack and use of taxpayer funds for someone who is saving lives, not harming them. But that's my perspective, Dr. Moore. Appreciate you. Well, thanks for having me on, Robert. Okay, love you too, man. All right, we got a lot more healing to go on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Please share that interview for those of your friends who don't know what's really going on there. And then read those articles we have linked up in the show notes today at robertscottbell.com, 10th of March, 2023, when this is first airing later on podcast. Uh, I don't think it'll ever go bad per se, but by all means, stay up to date on this and many other things so that we don't end up further in a pharmaceutical tyrannical uh, reality uh, that many have woken up into that uh, I and others have been warning you about. And I'm glad that we're all here to communicate it while we can. So thank you all for being here. we got a whole other hour of broadcast healing to go on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Please share the show as I remind you that the power to heal is yours. I'm just uh, reading, I sent this to you, Super Don, uh, an article, a st Substack article by Naomi Wolf, who we've had on this show. Uh, she said, the headline here reads, Dear Conservatives, I Apologize. 
my quote unquote team was taken in by full spectrum propaganda. So she, she's actually apologizing to conservatives. Now she's not a conservative and that's okay. I mean, I, I look for me, I, everybody does not have to believe what I believe more libertarian in this sense to be my pal or friend, to have intellectual integrity is what I would ask the ability to communicate and relate and acknowledge where we've been wronged or deceived. That to me seems like a basic human trait that has, that has value. And for those who discard human beings who believe differently than you do, to me, that's a disgusting trait that is not worthy of those who say, I am a compassionate human because I am a liberal and I believe in caring for people with other people's money through the force and deception and power and fraud of government. Yeah, I, I got problems with that. But when you talk to folks that lean liberal, they have a genuine concern, almost more often than not, in caring for people. We just have a, a, a divergent of opinion, perspective historically or otherwise, as to how best to respond to human need through centralized bureaucracies that are captured by agencies and industries that those same liberals would say are, well, we can't trust them, but now suddenly they do to pummel you over the head with a, a, a tragic circumstance on January 6th that may not have been even close to what the left has propagated and propagandized us or some of us to believe. You know, over the, uh, the reveal of uh, many, many other hours of footage from January 6th. This is, this is not on the agenda today, but I just had to comment as I'm looking at, again, the intellectual integrity of Dr. Naomi Wolf, who I appreciate very much. I've, I've followed her career, and I, I almost one of the few people I sort of fawned over when we had her. Remember Superdome when we had her on? I was like really excited to have her on, partly because we're, you know, we're not all in agreement on things, but I, I love not everybody comes on this show that you know, we would have disagreements on because they don't want to. But she didn't. She didn't fear that, and I think it was a very collegial and friendly. It was yeah. a good interview. Yeah, I really no, enjoyed good, it. Good interview, and I give Absolutely. her all the props in the world. Again, she's not going to turn her um, suddenly, but uh, her website, Daily Clout, is uh, on my list of things that I go through every day looking to yeah. see what's happening in the world. So, yeah. And I and I was talking to you before going on the air today, watching with my wife, um, the Gutfeld show on Fox. Mm-hmm. Dude, it's like dwarfing the uh, the the ratings of uh, Colbert and Fallon and uh, who's the other guy? I don't even know. Um, Douchebags all, you know. Yes. I feel I feel because it, they they're not funny anymore. It's only about a political agenda, and it's fine to have a, a leaning. There's nothing wrong with that, but man, just it just beat people over the head because they don't believe what you believe. It's not funny anymore. Now, what I saw last night with Russell Brand on Gutfeld was what I've been talking about here, what we achieve here, I believe, in engaging intellectually and being okay with having discussions with people with whom we disagree, to have debate, discussion, discourse, even argument, and be okay with that. And they were having that on that show. In fact, you got to see it because Gutfeld and uh, Russell Brand had a beef a few years back, and that Gutfeld played it. And made Which is fun funny. Of I had no idea. Yeah. yeah. It was great. And Nancy, my wife, when I were like looking and smiling, going, yes, this is what we need to see. It isn't that Russell Brand is now becoming a, a card-carrying Fox conservative Republican. No. But the points he brings but, up. But there are bad. things. Yeah. It's it's the same thing you run into with Bill Maher, right? I, lo- I love Bill Maher, right? I think he's, he's hilarious. 
but I also agree with him in a lot of things. And it's funny because he's a classic liberal. Yeah. And if you don't know what a classic liberal is, that's that's what Republican what conservatives used to be, you know, or or you, you know what I'm saying? Or that's it's yeah. a classic liberal is what, what Republicans are now, conservatives are now. It used to be that it that it, it was the complete 180 degree different. And so, somewhere along the way over the last 40, 50 years, yeah. Uh, now it's, it's flip-flopped. You look at the conservatives now and they're all for the little guy, the blue collar worker, freedom of speech, you know, all this stuff. And it's like, what happened here? This is really strange. And so, uh, he actually had Russell Brand on several days ago. And, uh, I think Joe Rogan had Russell Brand on just a few days ago. So I've gotten a lot of Russell Brand lately. Yeah, Plus, he has yeah. his own show. He's live. He's, he, his, his new home ever since uh, YouTube mm-hmm. uh, gave him a hard time. He's on Rumble now. Yeah. Yeah. I thoroughly so enjoy he's got a daily him. show. I've enjoyed watching him in his career and his, his evolution development. He used to be very much a drug addict, as he said. He's overcome oh, yeah. a lot of that. And He was, uh, a, cra- he was a crazy crazy dude. He was and, a crazy so dude. On that Gutfeld show, of course, uh, one of the ladies, Kat Timpf, is a comedian and a uh, libertarian. She's a libertarian. She's not a, she's not a Republican. She's not a Democrat. So it was fascinating to see the various uh, views coming together in a lot of agreement and even some disagreement that still existed, but very much in the spirit of cordiality and humor. It's like, that's what they're afraid of. We talk about they, the, the bad guys. Let me just say it that they're way. They're afraid of it going back to what I remember it used to being like. It used to be, it was far more common that you could get people with different opinions that could talk about it. You know, mm-hmm. it was just like, and then they'd walk away and, and whatever, they go have a beer together. You know, right. they disagreed on stuff, but the conversation could take place today. Not so much today. Right. Everybody is, is demonized and polarized to the point where talking about it is not even yeah. possible. One of the things it's that weird uh, when people talk to, to each the, other yeah. with different opinions, one of the things Brand said is like, Hey, you want to have a conservative family, live it up. You want to have an entre, you know, this is the thing where, where is that libertarian philosophy of, of allowing people to live their best life? Even if you disagree with that, as long as they're not violating the rights of others. And, and we talk about drawing the line on what, what's happening from the far left in terms of children, what they're doing to children, butchering them, drugging them, yeah. uh, altering it. That, that to me is a, a non-starter issue. And anybody left, right, or center that thinks that's a good thing. Sorry, we're not going to get along. I will acknowledge that there's a, there's a, a, a line not to cross with the kids. Um, But here's a Brownstone Institute article uh, from Robin Corner. Far right, the N-word of politics. Brownstone Brownstone Institute recently found itself in the middle of yet another one of those silly spider diagrams of organizations under the supposed to scare you title of Brownstone Institute's author's ties to far right organizations. Far right. It's either far right right or alt-right. Yeah. They're they're very, I think they're pretty, uh, pretty much the same. Well, as far it's as just the like reason why they're the used. Term anti-vaxxer. If we accuse you of being anti, oh my gosh, you're you're yes. now a scarlet letter. Absolutely, that's a perfect analogy, and that's the thing that came to mind when I was reading the article was was the mm-hmm. term anti-vaxxer, because that's all they had to do. They just have to throw that word out, and you suddenly yeah. now are in that club, you right? Know, as you're dismissed, you're discredited simply by somebody applying that label to you. In so the example, far right? The examples of the rule that they gave all related to Ron Paul. Our pal, our buddy, the, the 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 litmus bar, the bar that doesn't get much higher than Ron Paul in terms of libertarianism and freedom and constitutionality, you know, discussions. 
And this guy who's in the author says he's been a, a rights activist since he became interested in politics in 2010 when he began to support Ron Paul. And he supported Brexit in the UK. This guy's originally a Brit. He's in America. And he stood against lockdowns and coerced vaccinations during COVID. Now you're far right. You're alt right for that. What was, what was Ron Paul's crime? Believing in freedom. And he brought a lot of young people into politics from left, right, and center that said, you know what? I believe in freedom too. But, you know, Dr. Ron Paul, is he far right? Is he alt right? For believing in limited government. It's interesting. I remember this. He he says uh, that he pointed out in this article that he wrote for the Huffington Post that Dr. Mm -hmm. Paul was uh, the one potential nominee who had a track record that was anti-war, pro-civil rights, and anti-corporate cronyism. Now, how 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 conservative mm-hmm. does that sound? That sounds progressive, doesn't it? Does it not? Well, it used to be the anti-war, anti-war, but pro-civil more, rights, anti-corporate yeah. cronyism, right? You know that that would also fall uh, very much into the category of somebody who would be considered a classic liberal. Yeah. Uh, today, who who are? It's funny who, you know, when people think of who are the elites now. Mm-hmm. it's it's the democrats <laughs> yeah. i mean it's like how did that happen it used to be like i said it used to be the democrats were the the champions of the of the little guy right well notice now the they flo- want to squash the little guy the floating litmus of the hegelian dialectic it will use whoever they can to, to divide and conquer if they can succeed in that and you know, a cat temp again, that, that lady, she's libertarian. She's like, yeah, it used to be the, the far right or the right would attack her because she's not a pro-war conservative, what we call a neocon. Although the neocons are now the libs, the neo-libs are neocons, uh, you know, intervention everywhere, no declaration of war necessary, just go in there and do it. And, you know, she's like, now it's the left that are attacking her because she's not pro-war. And she also recognized a division between her and the and the host. Um, what's the guy's name? Gutfeld, right? That they haven't had agreement there. Although Gutfeld might be switching his tune as people are realizing how much deception lies on both sides of the political aisle. But there's a whole psychology involved in this. And this author, Robin Corner, if you guys want to check it out at brownstone.org, we have the link in the show notes at robertscoutbell.com. Now, briefly, I want to uh, just pause for a moment, say thanks to some of those that support this message of health, freedom, and healing liberty. They are courageous. There have been those that want to support and reach you as, as an audience, but they were too afraid because I was too vociferous in my support of freedom. Like, oh, well, that could be dangerous for our bottom line because certain customers of ours don't like freedom like that. They, they want cancel culture, right? And so there have been a number of companies that I think their products are good, and we were willing to have them come on and, and be supported by us and you that said, no, uh, it's too risky for us because many of our customers don't like you, Robert. They don't like that message of freedom in that way. And it's offensive because you're not lockstep in, for instance, a, a leftist Democrat agenda. So again, the intolerance is largely coming from the left. I'm, yes, there's intolerant right side people. I know that. But by and large, institutionalization of those things right now coming from the Democratic left, with the exceptions of those who, who have now recognized their classical liberal stance, not being a, a, a member of any given party, but having an individual ability to assess, critically think, and go, you know what, like Naomi Wolf, just because Tucker Carlson showed some stuff that, that that destroys the narrative of the Democrats on January 6th doesn't mean there wasn't some bad stuff that happened on January 6th. doesn't dismiss it all. 
but can we now look at it with an open eye, open eye, open mind, open heart, all of that to go, Hey, here's where it was some bad stuff. Here's where it's beyond exaggeration to destroy innocent people and create a fear narrative that would that drive never let a world. crisis go to waste. Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Oh, man. So, all right. So let's say thank you to some folks, our friends at Trinity school of natural health, health freedom, generations of health freedom. Now coming through Trinity school of natural health, trinityschool.org, the health freedom expos, the different things we participate in. For those of you who want an education in body, mind and spirit, homeopathy, herbs, there's, there's lectures on demand in homeopathy that I've done. There are clinical homeopathic trainings. There's so much good stuff happening at Trinity. If you're a doctor already, a nurse already, come on over to trinityschool.org and get plugged in. Our friends at Nutritional Frontiers, providing third-party validation, high-quality, scientifically evaluated supplements that we utilize here. I utilize every day the Enter DMG, which is their lozenge, but you've got that on 15% off this month for allergies and different things. Amazing Air Max we talked about the other day. This is the really great and simple stuff, very inexpensive, and you get an additional 15% off when you use the RSB15 code. Double dipping, as uh, Jamie Dorley calls it. You get to double dip, and nobody gets harmed by that. So check that out, nutritionalfrontiers.com, also cbdnf.com. That is the, the CBD we use, certified organic, U.S.-grown hemp CBD products, all available RSB15. Now, Real quick on the antioxidant scale, you know, selenium is really critical. And we talk about getting the whole food form of that from Jonathan at choosetobehealthy.com. There's a page now at robertscottbell.com, Super Don set up, and it's, uh, it gives you all the different codes for discounts. So when you start engaging in the things that we, I share, that I utilize, I want you to have access to, and I want you to get the best deal possible, they're all there. Uh, and I don't know how to describe where to go, Super D, because it's new for me on our website. If you go to robertscottbell.com. Just click, just click on the more more uh, uh, tab. Okay. And, and then a drop down pop menu. Up advertiser discount yep. codes. I see it. Very good. Yep. Uh, and that includes my buddy Babri, who was originally in occupied Soviet territory, if you will, in Tbilisi in Georgia, left that in the early 70s, went to Israel, then came to America and bringing us a profound tool for optimal health to address the many, the myriad of toxicological burdens, the oxidative stress from uh, various heavy metals, dioxins even, radiation. This is a Chernobyl level antioxidant, folium PX, and it's a three-pronged approach, including the folium immuno and the folium relax for dealing with the stress. But the folium PX is your starting point. And you guys and gals can get a 10% discount by going to folium PX, F-O-L-I-U-M-P-X.com. And this is the stuff that got my mom, 89, back to dancing. Not kidding. With everything that we do to keep her well, and that she does to keep herself well, the Folium PX was the difference maker. So don't look that one. Don't pass that one by. If you're having something that's lingering and nothing's touching it, get on that foliumpx.com. Now, real quickly, before we bring on our hour two guests, uh, I want to say and remind you of the upcoming events. There is an upcoming events tab at robertscottbell.com. There are many online webinars, different things. And I think we're going to set up, we haven't done one in a while, Super Don. Did we get confirmation of a Cardio Miracle webinar? Talking. Yeah, I'll, I'll have an email going. I'll have an email going out on that, but I believe we've got it set up for the 23rd. Okay, excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Well, there are online events, the Fasting Lifestyle Summit, the Osteoporosis Summit, 
uh, leading into an uh, in-person event, just following the three events that I'll be with Jonathan Emord the last three days of March in 2023 in Virginia. Uh, but we talked about that yesterday a little bit with uh, Jonathan Emord, of course. But the Mind Body Soul Restoration Retreat, sponsored by Nutritional Frontiers, Clearwater, Florida, on the beach. I'll be there April 1st and 2nd. You guys can get there March 31st if you're not up with me in Virginia. What a, an amazing opportunity. And there, are, I think, are some day passes left. Please join me there. I'll be interviewing folks. I'll be, who knows what all I'll be doing, but it'll be amazing. We've got the Neurometabolic Summit online available in April. We've got an April event. Uh, this is the premier gathering for Utah's only true natural health conference, and you're available. Welcome from anywhere to come to this. BeHealthyUtah.com. April 21st and 22nd at the Mountain America Expo Center in Sandy, Utah. And just following that, we're returning to Nashville, Tennessee for the Functional Medicine Summit and Expo. And so many of our friends are going to be there. I haven't seen Dr. David Brownstein in years. That'll be fun. Krishna Donaparty, a physician, was with us at the Next Steps Conference. Dr. John Witcher is a physician. He's running for governor of Mississippi. He'll be there. Judy Mikovits, our pal. She's amazing. You know, Christina Parks, one of the smartest people you'll ever meet. PhD, she'll be there. Christina Rahm, PhD, will be there. Dr. Ed Group and others. Uh, yeah, Kimberly Overton, Nurse Freedom Network. You guys want to check it out. Uh, we have that linked up in the notes. Then we have the uh, Goody Farms Homestead Family Union for the RSB show. Everybody's welcome July 14th, 15th, and 16th. Food, family, campfire, music, learning, healing, homesteading, and organic pie. Can't leave that out. And then uh, there'll be more events we'll add to the mix, but you guys stay in touch and sign up for the uh, newsletter, Las Vegas Biomed Expo, September 14th through the 17th, 2023. And I'll be speaking, lecturing, and I'll be uh, moderating some panels at that one as well. And uh, just look forward to seeing you at one or all of those events. What you got there, Super D? What do you mean what I got there? You look like you're you busy. got there? You're you're like look you're I, so busy. I'm always busy. What are you talking? What do I got there? You what do you got there? Busy boy. I got a Rubik's cube here. That's yes, we even have one of those. That's what do you true. got there? What do you got I, there? I got a guest that's been patiently waiting, Chad Nedlin. We've never had on the Robert Scott Bell show. All right. Hey Chad, what do you got there? Chad, welcome well, to the Robert Scott Bell show. Thank you. Hey, thank you. You you had me at organic pie. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm telling you, that's it. If everybody would market their events. And say organic pie available, you would have you would have sold out events, standing room only, and waiting lists. People don't understand marketing. Organic absolutely. Pie. I knew my I grandma knew used to make the most amazing pie. It mm -hmm. was absolutely amazing. She put a pumpkin pie down in front of my grandpa one time, and yeah. as a joke, he grabbed the ketchup, and he put the ketchup on the pumpkin pie, and he goes, "What? It's squash." <laughs> my grandmother never made another pie. <laughs> the whole family suffered. Oh, After grandma sad. passed away, my grandpa started to make amazing pie because he grabbed all her recipes and says, I can't go without pie. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, Chad, welcome to the show. It says here we have your little brief background. We'll learn more about you now this hour that you've worked in online sales and ministry for almost, well, three decades. You have uh, Nedland Enterprises focusing on helping business owners increase their impact and reach by sharing their personal stories to transform beliefs of their audience and you, you know, part of that coaching industry. And I, I think if I'm not mistaken, our, our buddy Laban Ditchburn connected us. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Actually he and I connected because we had both written a book and about a year and a half ago or yeah, about a year and a half ago, uh, we hopped on a call and we exchanged books and 
you know, we just kind of connected over that and he heard my story and I heard his story and we just, yeah, hit it off ever since. <laughs> I love it, man. Laban has brought a lot of good people into our lives and I appreciate him. He's, he and his wife are right now in India having an adventure yep. there. And I'm just looking at the food that they're eating. I'm like, Ooh, that looks good. You know, <laughs> I just, I'm, I'm a sucker for good quality food. And, uh, Anyway, they're having a great time. So um, the work you're doing, in, in fact, we do have a link to what you're doing. It's called Impact Makers Community. But I guess we need a little bit more backstory to say what what got you into what you're doing and what is it you're doing? Well, actually, it, it, man, I'll try and I'll try and sum it up because I only got half an hour and I'm a storyteller. Uh, <laughs> I I spent about seven years after I got out of the military and I I took a walk. I was stoned out of my mind the night before with my brother. And he said, what you doing tomorrow? And I said, I don't know, walk to California. And at this point, I had hit an all-time low. My life had fallen apart. Everything I believed in fell apart. My faith was waning. Uh, I just, I was about ready to give up. And I woke up the next morning and uh, I was like, man, I don't know what I'm going to do. And my grandpa's words rang in the back of my head. He says, you know, if a man doesn't have his word, he's got nothing. And I thought to myself, all I have is my word. And yesterday I told my brother, I'm going to walk to California. So I picked up a, a school bag that was on the floor, handful of clothes, $12.73. And I walked out of my, Minneapolis. And three and a half months later, I landed in California. Hmm. And uh, I'm sitting there on a bench in Santa Monica on the Third Street Promenade, watching all yeah. the street performers. Yes. And I look across the street and let's just say I could smell him before I saw him. Every time the wind blew, he ended up in my space, right? It was it was homeless. It was dirty. It was gross. It was nasty. And I'm thinking to myself, he probably smells about the same way I do after walking all this way, <laughs> you know? And uh, I had worked along the way and I'm sitting here. I'm hungry. I don't know this town. I don't know anything about California. I hadn't eaten for a few days and I was hungry. I had a little bit of cash on me, but I didn't know how long it was going to need to hang on to it. And I looked down at the ground and I saw this, this half-eaten Snickers sitting on the sidewalk. And I'm sitting here watching it and these ants are crawling over it. And I'm like, you know what? That actually looks pretty good. Hmm. And I looked around and I didn't see anybody looking. And I reached down there and I blew off the ants and I put it in my mouth. And I tell you, that was the best Snickers I'd ever had. <laughs> you know, I, was, I was so hungry at that point. I hadn't had a treat hmm. in such a long time. And as I bit down, I looked across the street. And this old, this old homeless guy stands up. He's like locked eyes with me. And he stands up and he starts walking towards me. And all I could think was, oh, crap. Yeah. I don't have the energy to deal with this right now. And then it clicked. I was like, you know what? I got money in my pocket. And I probably just took that man's last meal. Mm. And he walked up to me and he paused. And he kind of, it's kind of this little shuffle walk. And he walked up to me. And he had such gentle eyes and he reached in his pocket and he grabs his handful of change and he reaches out and he takes my hand, he pours it in my hand and he says, you ain't, you ain't got to eat off the ground, bro. Wow. You ain't got to do that. Oh my. And I, everything in me like sh just shifted because I was in a very dark place at that point. Hmm. And I was like, what is, I don't understand this. I was like, this man who has absolutely nothing gave me everything that he had after I just took what was probably his last thing. And I looked at him and I said, no, man, I can't, I can't take this from you. I get, let me give you something in exchange. He's like, no, 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 no. And I, and I says, no, I, I can't just take it for free. 
let me let me trade. He understood the need of not feeling like you have nothing of value to the world. So he said, okay. Hmm. And I reached in my, my, my pocket and I pulled out the last $50 I had. And I said, I'm giving this to you. And, and he looked at it. He goes, no, 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 I can't take that. No. And he's like, you just ate off the ground, dude. You need the money, right? <laughs> like, I've been out here a long time. I know what I'm doing. And he's like, no, I can't. I was like, no, look. I said, what you just gave me is worth far more than what I just gave you. I says, you gave me a renewed faith in humankind. Hmm. And all of a sudden, in that moment when that exchange happened, I realized that all of the love, all of the compassion, all of the heart to serve that had been in my life, my whole life, all of a sudden welled up. And I realized that I hadn't lost who I was. Hmm. I didn't lose the essence of who God created me to be, right? And it just switched everything. And I was like, he just removed all of the shadowing, all of the pain, everything I had gone through. And I realized this is this is what I want to do. I want to serve. I want to help people like this. And I says, this money is for you. I says, if you, just use it for whatever makes you happy. If you could have anything that you wanted, what, what would you spend it on? And he looked me in the eye and he says, you know, nobody's sat down and eaten with me in a long time. Hmm. Can we go have a meal together? Oh, my gosh. And we went and we just sat down. There was a little taco burrito place up, up the, the way. And he's like, let's go. And we sat down and we just ate and we talked. And that was the beginning of a long journey. For seven years, I, I walked all over the U.S. And I stayed in tramp camps. And I got to know people. And you know what? They heard me because I wasn't the I wasn't the preacher on the corner. I wasn't the social services people telling them get their stuff together. I showed up and I lived with them. I ate what they ate. I slept where they slept. I woke up with people going to the bathroom next to my head. I I lived what they lived, and I lived it in such a way they always asked, "What is so different about you? Hmm. You're always so happy." And I said, "No, I'm not. I'm not happy. I'm joyful." This is happy comes from your circumstance. Joy, that comes from the Lord. I says, and you can't steal that from me. And so I just shared and I carried that message all over the U.S. I went east and west coast multiple times, north and south three. I mean, literally seven years just walking throughout the U.S. and sharing that message. So obviously I'm a traveler. I like to travel. I came back to go visit with my folks for a couple of weeks to visit. Uh, turned into a couple of years. I was working at a grocery store. And I met my wife. <laughs> I met my wife. She found out I had written a book. She asked if she could read it. I got her a copy from the trunk. Next thing you know, she's inviting me over to cook for a, for a meal. And I'm like, this is how you start dating. She invites you to the home and yeah. cooks for you. This is perfect. Uh, yeah. You know? So it wasn't too long. We ended up married. And I acknowledged, okay, I have this timid little gal. Uh, she's quiet, she's peaceful, she's calm, she's a homebody. My traveling days are over, and I gladly sacrifice it all to be with this woman. Six months after we were married, she says, remember when we were talking about you traveling? And I said, yeah. And I asked, well, what are you going to do now that you walked the entire U.S.? And I says, yeah. She goes, and you looked at me and says, I don't know, bike it? I says, yeah, and I've laughed. She goes, yeah, I think we're supposed to do that. I said, what? She said, I think we're supposed to do that. And I said, all right, well, let's let's go pray about it individually. 
and then we're going to come back and see, you know, what do we really feel led to do? Mm-hmm. And it wasn't too long. And April 1st of that year, we put in our notices because we both worked at the same grocery store. We put in our notice. We gave away everything that we had. Um, we decided not to sell anything. We gave it all away, emptied out our bank accounts, got on two Walmart bicycles and said, for one year, we are going to travel. And we have one rule. If anyone asks for help, we will say yes. This, no matter what it is, we'll just is a, uh, say yes. Chad, this is a Hollywood movie script, right? You know, when they say that and people look at the movie and go, nah, that you just made that up. That, you know, say yes to everything, right? Yes, man. Like that. uh, Right, right. (laughs) Well, here's the thing. It wasn't just yes, just to do something stupid. It was we wanted to live our lives in a life of service. And we were living it in complete trust that God would lead us where he wanted us to be. And it was his job. In scripture, he says, he is Jehovah Jireh. He's the God who provides. We're the ones who do the work we're called to do. So if we just show up and serve and love, then it's his job to make sure everything happens. Well, the, he, he showed us how he was going to do that. The first time we, we had somebody ask for help, uh, we were in Barron, Wisconsin. And a gentleman says, hey, um, we've got this house that we're, we're using. We want to use it for a community home for emergency housing, but we can't get approved because we've got a water problem in the basement. And I was like, oh, I used to do waterproofing right out of high school. I said, do you want me to take a look at it and just see what's wrong with it so you know what to fix? And they said, sure. And I went down there. I knew exactly what the problem was. And I says, oh, that's an easy fix. This is the exact system you need. This is how you do it. And he goes, oh, could you help with that? Hmm. Yes. <laughs> Like, oh my gosh, I have to say yes. So I'm like, okay, cool. And he goes like, well, we don't have any money. And I'm like, okay. He goes, so could you install it for us? Yes. (laughs) And I'm telling my wife and she's just like, we said yes. So yes. And that week uh, we went to a a community barbecue. uh, And that's a whole nother story because I married a vegan. No. So, <laughs> but uh, we we uh, went to a community barbecue, and I'm sitting here like smelling the barbecue because I'm like, mm, she's over there, she won't yeah. know, you know, like. Mm. And this guy bumps into me, he's like, "Hey, how you doing?" I'm like, "Doing well." And we start chatting. He goes, "What are you guys doing?" And I told him a little bit about our trip, and he's like, "Oh, okay, cool." I said, "What do you do?" He says, "Oh, he says I do concrete work." Mm. I was like, "Really." That's cool. And so we're talking about it. And I told him about the project that was coming up and what the situation was. And he's like, well, hey, uh, I've got a job this coming Friday. He says, we usually order at least an extra quarter just so we have enough concrete. He says, if you need that, he says, I'd rather come over and dump it with you than dump it out afterwards if we don't need it. Would that help? And I said, sure. By the end of the week, we had all the river rock. We had the dimple plastic. We had the plumbing. We had everything was all donated. And the local place even brought over a jackhammer for us to use. Yes. By the end of the week, we had fully installed a basement waterproofing system and solved the problem. And at that point, we realized nothing that came would not have a solution. And that's what we went forward with. You talked about uh, a proofing service. You said a waterproofing service. And it it occurs to me that you've proven something that I, uh, uh, you know, attempted to attain in in my life and still work on. That when you live a life of service, you are cared for by that which cares for all life in a way that 
those who don't live that way perceive as impossible. And so they come up with all kinds of schemes and artifice and forceful uh, methods to help people, even if they don't want help, yeah. Uh, yeah. through mechanisms that end up being very deceptive, uh, criminal even, but mm -hmm. in a feel-good way, we're helping people. But they're right. not relying, I believe, on the source of where all help originates. And I, you know, I've said this as I've studied the healing arts and sciences, the professions going back into antiquity, that the healers in these cultures, whether you call them doctor or whatever, were never wanting for anything. They were cared for. They, they weren't necessarily living in the palace per se, like on the beach, or whatever, but they never wanted for anything. They were always cared for. Their needs were met and they were there to help people and serve. And that is what I've seen. It, you know, part of this uh, documentary film that is airing tomorrow for the first time online, Utah Safe and Effective, goes into some of what I've argued we must do, a separation of medicine and state, which for some is like an outrageous concept because how are we going to get care and health care to people? I'm like, if you think anything the government is delivering is caring, much less involves health, uh, you're not paying attention. You've lost, you've kind of abandoned actual critical thinking skills to where we can go, hey, let's admit there's a problem. That's your first step. And then go, let's look at some things outside of that government box or forceful uh, mandate box to, to solve the problem that, you know, people don't suffer from drug deficiencies. And the most dangerous thing they can have is really good medical insurance. And people go, whoa, 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 wait a second. And some people go, oh, I understand what you're saying, Robert. That is, we are relying on systems that are not necessarily uh, engaged in actual serving of people that are in need, but mm -hmm. serving the interest of those who would profit off of your ill health, your disease, your sickness, and, and, and driving you further into dependence, which is anytime they say, if the government just would do this, there ought to be a law, it ends up driving us into dependence or into hiding because we don't want what they have to offer and they want to force us to accept it. Like in, you know, mm -hmm. whether it be called Obamacare, and I don't mean to get political in that, that's just what, what yep. Nick named it, or whether it be called, you know, COVID jab mandates, all of these things. And what you are sharing with me is again another validation of what I've seen in my life. When you put absolute and total reliance, there are various ways people say this on the Lord, on God, on the Holy Spirit, on the Eck, whatever you, you know, when you have that total faith and you put that into action, you are always, you know, caught when you're falling. You know, that whole idea yep. of, you yep. know, when I was, you know, where were you, God? Well, I was carrying you. That concept is, is very real to me. Now, I get it. People describe it in their own. We all have our biases and, and perspectives based on our belief systems. Mm -hmm. But I don't think it can be contained or constrained by any word per se. You know, go to Shakespeare, Rose by any other name. Right. And right. I, I, I'm just just my heart is bubbling with happiness and joy, the joy that you said, but both because the circumstances are bringing happiness too, in hearing what you have to share. And, and the, then the question is, how do people tap into that? Because it seems like you're invested in helping people to do that. Yeah. Um, and, and I think it's, it's important to not only understand there's, there's a law, there's, there's universal laws. We all have gravity, you know, universal law. <laughs> you walk up to a stranger and punch them in the face. They're not going to be happy. Like, <laughs> you know, like there's things that are just static. Mm -hmm. One of those is the law of reciprocity. Mm-hmm. When you do someone ill harm, they're going to want to do it back. When you're kind to others, they want to do it back. It's a natural tendency. And another thing that I've noticed is most people feel they have to have permission 
to do good. And that it didn't used to be that way. But I've seen it more and more as I'm, I'm actually was out there in the trenches working with people is people are seeking an opportunity for somebody to say that it's okay to do something right. Mm-hmm. Because our, our culture, especially here in America, we have gotten to a point where kindness is punished. Common sense is made fun of. And if you do something that's not selfish, they tell you there's an ulterior motive. We dedicated one year of our life. We just said one year, we're going to do nothing but serve because that's the foundation of our family is going to be in service of other people to lift them up to their highest potential. The easiest way to lift somebody up is to reach the person who's sitting on the bottom. It's like cherry picking the start, right? Well, we set in our life an opportunity that says this is going to be the standard of living. When they see us come, they will see servants. And that's what we started to move forward with. And I think if you really want to start to experience what it's like to trust and to see that come back into your life, you have to do the trust part first. You trust and then you take action. We said yes before we had, you know, concrete. We said yes before there was a shovel. We said yes before there was a jackhammer. We said yes before we saw the solution because we believed in the outcome. Mm -hmm. When you believe in the outcome more than the circumstance, the circumstance no longer matters. You, You said yes to the divine contract. And, and of course, then that is fulfilled. And yet that is something that is very foreign to many in our culture because mm-hmm. of what you say, you know, that we've, we've been deceived, we've been uh, degraded, we've been attacked for believing these things. But if we were doing it to be lauded and awarded and given prizes, I don't think we're motivated properly. Yeah. And this doesn't mean don't try it. If that's what you want, you'll learn life spirit god will teach you and and you know the suffering that i went through as a young person you know even though i cursed it while it was happening at times and i asked god why is this happening to me in retrospect i learned that it was happening for me not to me and it taught me the things i i had a contract to fulfill before i even got here and it was it was necessary for me to go through that it was my journey not everybody needs that but i needed that and some people need that and more to be able to recognize that I was being guided and given gifts all along the way if I would only have faith and trust, but not just blindly, and although initially it could be blindly, to recognize now it isn't so much a matter of faith, it's a matter of knowingness, because how many times do you have this happen and go, oh, well, but the next time it's not going to happen. You, now it becomes part of your expectation. You get what you expect as well. And for those who have been disappointed time and time again, well, I expect the best, but I always get the worst. It's like, well, we've got to really go deeper into the wounds and the injuries that are really overpowering the words that you want to believe or you perceive that you want to believe. Yeah. And oftentimes I think it's, I think it's a a want to expect the best, but based on my past experience, I expect the worst, Mm. but I hope for the best. Yeah. And then we act in what's alignment with what we expect. And, you know, there's, there's the other caveat, you know, which I mentioned earlier when we were talking is when you step out in trust and and in faith in your life, there are those things that happen. There's, it's, you fulfill a contract. And like, when I say contract, I mean, both sides are responsible to do their part, right? But it doesn't mean that there's not outside influences that happen. Sure. Um, that one year 
turned into four years of, of service. Hmm. We started on bicycles and uh, it's something to do with the weather. I don't know what it was. It got cold. We got pregnant. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we got pregnant. We were in Leon, Iowa. The bike seat on my bike broke. And we were actually requested to come down to Milan, Tennessee to serve in that community. And somebody said, well, how are you going to get there? And I said, well, the bikes are broke. We're, we'll have to walk. And somebody said, well, you can't, you can't walk there. I was like, yeah, we actually traded out some of our gear down at the thrift store. We got two backpacks. We've just transferred everything. We're, we're going to walk. He said, you can't walk. I'll, I'll drive you down there. So they stored our bikes. They drove us down to Milan. And about a month later, the same gentleman came down with a minivan. He's like, yeah, he says, I decided I was going to buy my mom a, a car. So I came down here to buy a, buy a, uh, uh, I can't believe what kind of vehicle it was. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a Chevy, Chevy Equinox. And he says, yeah, I said, so uh, we're not going to need the minivan. You guys can't be doing this on bicycles with a kid. Mm. So he sold us the minivan for a dollar. And I said, well, I don't have a dollar. He goes, here, I'll give you one. <laughs> <laughs> so he gave me a dollar bill and then I bought the van from him for a dollar, signed over the title. And we were blessed with the free minivan. That minivan turned into uh, a full-size conversion van within the next year and a half with an extended top, which ended up pulling a 10 foot camper trailer. By the time we were done, we had literally a, a little caravan of a place to live with our son. And we never bought any of it. We never paid for it. All we did was serve. And when you do those things, people want to be a part of it. They want to support. They want to be a part of what it is that you do. And in that process, life happened. Our son passed away hmm. at 10 months of age while we were traveling. We were, we were in, a, in a town. They had given us a little mobile trailer to stay in while we were working within the community. And let's just say when you're traveling with a child... <laughs> Not a whole lot of mommy-daddy time. So when he went and took a nap, mom and dad went and spent some time together on the other end of the camper. And uh, all of a sudden, I was like, well, I says, haven't heard Jonathan. I said, let me go grab him, And which was odd because, you know, feeding time, mom gets up, right? right. And she's like, I got him. I'm like, no, you just relax. Let me, let me go get him. Just something in me said, go get your son. And I got up and I walked down to the other end. And my time in the service had shown me a few things to recognize. And when I looked down at him, I drained because I looked and all the blood had completely drained from his face. It had already settled to the back of his head. We laid him down for a nap. He went to sleep and just never woke up. Hmm. And I had to pick my son up. I had to walk all the way back to the other end of the camper and go, honey, he's gone. He's gone. And we did what every faith-filled, God-loving, God-trusting parent would do. We begged and we pleaded and we cried. (laughs) But he was gone. And I said, stop. Stop. She goes, what? And I said, remember back when we thought that we might have miscarried. Before we went to the doctor and checked, we made a decision. I asked you. What will we do if we miscarried our child? Do we pack it in? Do we go home? Do we quit what we've committed to do? Or do we get up tomorrow and press on? 
And she looked at me and she went, you're right. We're going to keep going. We buried our son. Three days after he passed away, we were standing up. I was behind a pulpit sharing about how good of a good, good father we serve. Because he showed me something. For 10 months, my son traveled with me all over the U.S. into tent camps, tent cities, under bridges, homeless camps. And there's something that happens when somebody shows up with their baby, the most precious thing in the world, and reaches out and hands him to a person who won't talk to anybody who's closed off. And you watch that child just melt every barrier. And then we're able to talk with them and share with them and give them hope and allow them to feel loved. And I realized that in 10 months, my son had impacted thousands and thousands of lives from coast to coast all over America. He was loved on and loved thousands of people. He never had a bad day and was able to go home to be with the father without ever having to experience anything that I had gone through. And God reignited that joy back in my heart. And I went to bed that night and I woke up the next morning with one thought. How dare you have a single conversation that does not impact the world from today forward. Mm. No day will pass without you making an impact in the world. No day will pass because if your son could do that at 10 months of age without saying a word, you got a big mouth, Chad. Mm. <laughs> you know, you've got a boldness most people beg for, mm. right? You better not pass up the opportunity. And it, it, he just walked in me or walked me into this position in my life to realize that the impact that we make is so great. What, what we do matters. I can't. You will never walk away un unchanged from this conversation, Robert. That's right. And the beauty is that impact that I've made in your life, however great or small, will now affect every single person that you talk to because it changed you. And I like math. I'm a business person. And I realized, you know, if I just talk to one person every day for the next three years and have an impactful conversation, I think it's safe to say that everybody's going to talk to somebody new each day. That means that within one year, just by the ripple effect of one level deep, if I talk to one person a day for the next three years, I will have impacted a million lives. So I always think it's one to a million. I'm not talking to a million people, but when I talk to one person, mm -hmm. I will impact a million people. And it makes me very intentional. Yeah. And this year, God has just really laid it on my heart says, if you want to make a greater impact, you need to start impacting those who are impacting others. Stop stop leading and coaching the one-on-one. -on -one. Let's get them together. Let's do something greater. Let's take the people who are doing positive things in the world, who are making a positive change, who care about the people around them enough to put themselves on the line like yourself. And just say, you know what? It's not about me. It's not about my comfort level. It's about doing what's right, what I've been called to do. And say, gather them together. Put them in the same room. Gather your resources and make a greater positive impact and change in the world. And I went, I'm on board with that. 
And the cool thing is, I said, I'm on board with that. And the next day I was invited to be a guest in a mastermind in which I connected with Kevin. And he said, I need you to get on Scott's show. Well, I'll be I'm, honest, I never heard of you before. That's right. I'm the best kept secret in health talk media. <laughs> right? Right. And, and I'm like, everything about, I was like, yeah, these are the people that I, these are my people. People mm-hmm. who care about doing what's right, what's true, outside mm-hmm. of whether or not it's comfortable. Yeah. And I want to give a shout out if I can say it that way to my buddy, Kevin Tuttle, who I've witnessed in service in this way, leaping into the abyss to do something that was not guaranteed that he would succeed in and be able to care for his family and his wife and his kids. And I've seen him walk in that path and that God and spirit has got him. And he's walking in that faith and that knowingness now as he's experienced time and time again, a miracle after a miracle after a miracle. And yet the miracles don't have to be grand like a parting of a sea. But the, the, the very changed consciousness that each of us may have experienced or once or many times and the impact on others that you are having right now, as you described. We have in the show notes today at robertscottbell.com. Super Don, I don't know if you can show that real quick. There's a link in the show notes that'll take you to uh, Chad Nedland. And uh, it's a particular thing that gets you to, if you want to sign up and learn more and be part of this. Encouraging you to join a growing community of impact makers who are using their skills, gifts, and businesses to make the world a better place for all. Uh, and you can sense if if you're at all alive and breathing, where Chad's at, where he's coming from, what he's been through. And it's probably just tip of the proverbial iceberg in terms of the stories you were able to tell today. And I'm grateful for you, my, my new friend, Chad. Uh, I want to see what we can do together if I can help you in any way. It's one of those things where you're like, that's what I'm talking about. That's what yes. I'm trying to be that <laughs> example for. I appreciate that. I, I look forward to a lot of great conversations with you. Yeah. Man, heart, heart, joyous and happy at the same time. Doesn't always yeah, happen, it, as you point out. But You, you know, you, you mentioned miraculous. I know we're running short on time. Mm-hmm. I think the greatest miracle that any person can experience and the cool thing is this is a miracle that's been within the control of every individual. It's to come to a simple understanding that you matter. You matter. There is no one in the world like you. Only you can do what you do in the way that you do it. That is what makes you valuable in the world is the fact that you're unique. Hmm. You've been called to a greater purpose than what you're living right now. And I don't care what you're doing. I guarantee you have been called to greater And sometimes the way to do that is to get into community and allow people to tell you what they see in Mm -hmm. you because you don't see what the world sees. Uh, It feels like that community is available to you now if it wasn't before, if you didn't think it was. So y'all check that link to chadnedlin. It's a click funnel, but whatever. We got you there. Just click at it, robertscottbell.com. And Chad, grateful for you and so grateful for our friends out there that have connected us all, including Laban and Anna, who are in India right now. Kevin Tuttle who saw you and said, you got to come on this show, uh, which he's, he's batting pretty much a thousand on our guests. And uh, that yeah. says a lot about as it reflects out to the world through our, our friend Kevin as well. So God bless you, my friend. Thank you for being here on the show today, Chad. It's my pleasure. Thank you. And God, God bless you as well. And, and, and thank you to Dr. Kirk Moore for all that he's doing. Uh, being called to a higher purpose and and being willing to to hit you know receive the slings and arrows 
uh, that, that often come with that. But put your faith where the ultimate healer is. And uh, the healing will happen. The healing is happening. And in fact, sometimes it happens so fast, you didn't even get harmed. You thought you could have been and should have been harmed. And you've been protected from those things as well when you're living a life of service like Chad described. God bless you. We'll be back for the bonus round after this. And then the weekend begins on the Robert Scott Bell Show, where I simply remind you that the power to heal is yours. What's that for an uplifting way to head into the weekend there, Super D? All, all the little pesky problems you had, have they melted away a little bit? <laughs> yeah, I'm over it now. Yeah, dude. You know, I was, respect. I was pretty flustered there uh, beginning of the show, but yeah, yeah no, it's all good. Wow. It all worked out. Yeah, extraordinary. By the way, shout out, happy birthday, yeah. Marge, our good friend uh, who has been supporting this show for a while. And uh, it's her birthday today, so let's celebrate you. And you celebrate you, Hold too. Hold on. She's got to yeah. get the kids. Where are they? Where are the kids at? There they are. Okay. Yay. Happy birthday. Hooray. Dude, uh, you know, when he said, and before we were on the air together, I just briefly, we could talk with him to get a, a fraction of a fraction of the story. And at one point, remember he said, and I lost my son. You know, and, it, and this was out of context. I didn't have any context. I heard that. I'm like, I shook my head. He said, don't shake your head. And, you know, mm -hmm. you, you get why with that whole journey. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I do remember that because he was, I think he followed it up with with something really positive. I'm just like, yeah, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> These two things don't normally go together, but uh, wow, what a story. Yeah. I mean, you know, he, it was almost like a, like a, it was funny. It reminded me of, what was that movie with Tom Hanks? Uh, Forrest Gump, remember? Oh, for Where he's company. just like one day, just like I'm gonna go for a walk. <laughs> yeah. And then he just walked across the country, you know. It's just like I'm listening to this guy tell tell the story, Chad. And I'm just like, you did what? And apparently, in his bio, he did it more than once. He walked yeah. across the, the country several times, coast to coast, and then north to south. So I mean, just dude, my feet hurt from just standing up and doing the show. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's like, I can't even imagine walking across the country, you know, f five times, six times or whatever, but there was a purpose to it. It wasn't just going for a walk, you know? And so it was a, it was a, an adventure. You know, I see that scene from Wayne's world where they're going down. We're not worthy. We're not worthy. Yeah, but yeah. there was nothing like that, obviously coming from Chad. And, and, right. and the thing that he did is not something that everybody would do or many people would do at all. But that doesn't mean you're less worthy. The point is, when he said that journey, you know, and he, he got with his wife, you know, and she came to him and said, we need to, you know, sell everything or give away everything and, and hit the road on bike, whatever it was. These are things that are inspirations that come from a place that others would call crazy. Right. How many people would go, oh, you're crazy for doing that? Uh, yeah, probably a lot of people would. Mm -hmm. And, and of one people. of the. One of the stories I heard over the years is, you know, are you, what's the question, you know, are you willing to be a fool for God? Now you can perceive that in any way, you know, that, that it, it impresses upon your heart to believe that, but how many times have been asked to do something? You're like, really? But if I do that, you know, they'll call me names. They'll make fun of me. They'll, you know, I am fill in the blank. And if you were again, looking for some outer validation 
for doing that what you're called to do in terms of service, you're not doing it for the right reason. Can I say that? Is that a, it's too harsh a judgment? You said it. Okay. Take it with the spirit with which I, sh- I shared it. It, it, it. There are times where you are asked to do something that is absolutely insane to the rest of the world. And for many of you that have been with me on this journey for years on the show, you know, I've talked about, you know, we were in the vast minority of beliefs on the planet, much less, well, in the Western world primarily, and thought about, for instance, vaccines. For those of you who had witnessed it uh, before the injury, you know, you're very grateful. Obviously, many of you witnessed it afterwards and woke up and said, this is a horrible thing. Yet you were denigrated and called names. And even in the last three years, that's happened. But you're not in the minority anymore. But it doesn't matter if you are or are not. You know what you know based on what you've experienced. And maybe before you experience it, you leap of faith it a little bit. And then you're caught and you go, oh, okay, that was interesting. I should have fallen into that dark chasm and I didn't and I'm okay. And then you do another thing and you find you're okay and another thing. Now, it doesn't mean that everybody survives physically, you know, when you take these leaps of faith. But the invincibility that I talk about, and even when I say the power to heal is yours, it isn't only or necessarily about your physical body. It's about a healing that takes place at a far deeper and higher level that transcends our experience here on earth. Uh, a healing that is, again, beyond description, beyond compare. That can happen while you're here, but doesn't always. But that life continues on. And, of course, what you do in this lifetime, I do believe it impacts and matters afterwards. Now, some people would perceive, you know, you go to hell or heaven, and sometimes that's an oversimplification, and people get into theological debates, discussions, and arguments over it. And I don't mind having those talks. And it, it doesn't bother me because what you believe or don't believe doesn't impact necessarily or affect my belief. Maybe it will, or maybe it won't, but it isn't that I need to convince you of my belief in order for my belief to be real. And it's a very comforting and peaceful place to be when you don't have to make them believe what you believe. I mean, that if you want to make somebody believe what you believe, I would say, have them perceive what, what you do is extraordinary and that they would like to do it too, because your life inspires them. And if anybody was inspired by Chad today, I'm sure many of you are, doesn't mean everybody's going to go out and go, I'm going to walk across the country today, nor that you would need to in order to fulfill (laughs) some godly destiny. If it's your call, it's your call. For many of you, it's to set up a homestead and care for your family and teach others how to do the same and better. I mean, these are all worthy and godly pursuits in my opinion. And it isn't for me to say what is or isn't, but that's my perception of it. About let's talk politics. No, 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 it's not. <laughs> no. Let's talk CBD. Not today. Not let's talk today. CBD. Yeah, CBD. We don't talk about it as much as we used to. It's like it's like passe. I don't it see be. it in the news. Well, I just don't see it in the news as much as as, as it used to be. But mm-hmm. I, I did come across something today. And it, well, has, it has to do with something I'm not a big fan of. No, and, and you've experienced, probably all experienced this, canker sores. Now, you remember all those years ago when I introduced you to silver, mm-hmm. and I don't know if you had the gel or was it the silver spray? It was but the gel. The yeah, gel. it was the gel. Yep. So you had an onset, if you will. You knew when a cold sore is coming and what happens normally when it happens and it manifests and how many days of, if it's not outright misery, it's certainly an annoyance. 
Well, and, and you know, for the longest time, you know, because I it was always in the same spot too. Yeah. I don't know what that's about, but it's it, there's just apparently that's not unusual. Yeah. Uh, and and it used to be that you know there was this this over the counter thing you could get called a Breva. Mm-hmm. And that was the thing, you know, that, you know, this is the stuff that, you know, works and, you know, you put it on there and, you know, it, it yeah, I mean, over like a week or something like that, you know, it, it, it maybe kind of tamped it down a little bit, mm-hmm. but then this was shortly after, you know, I'd started working with you and you were talking about the silver and the silver and the silver and you sent me some silver. Yeah. I was like, okay, cool. Uh, and I used it, and man, I mean, if you catch it, it just in time, like early, mm-hmm. it just knocks it out. It's gone. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I was, I was super amazed, you know, because yeah. here you you shared something with me, and it worked. Yeah. And I think it was either before or after that when the the, the really super cool experience that I had mm-hmm. was when I burned my finger on a like a frying pan or something like that yeah and you know anybody that's done that before you know you, you know the thing is when when it happens you know you know oh man i really d- did it mm-hmm. you know you look at your finger and it's like shiny you, you know where you where you touch the pan and you know that you know here in the next few hours that thing's going to swell up and you're going to have a giant blister and uh instead because i happen to have that silver gel hanging around uh, i went and put that on there immediately uh, as I burned my finger and the dang thing, the, the burn went away. I'd never experienced that before. I was just like, wait a minute. There's like nothing there. It's gone. It healed. I call it I God's like, medicine some for burns and wounds. I'm not kidding. Silver has, that's amazing stuff. And then over the years we had, you know, cause my kids were still young back then. Uh, man. And I mean, I, I couldn't, couldn't live without it. It, it. it took care of so many, especially childhood stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's babies with diaper rash or kids with pink eye or, or, you know, whatever it's like in our house, yeah. uh, it was always, you know, something was, wasn't doing okay. Where's, where's the silver? Or as my daughter calls it, she just calls it sovereign. That's it. Mm-hmm. It's short yes. for, for sovereign silver. She's like, I use the sovereign even to this day. Uh, yeah. she'll come over. Do you have any sovereign? Yeah. I need some sovereign, you know, and I usually yeah. have a little something in the, in the drawer. How have I raised my kids with no antibiotics? Well, yeah, that's a big part of it. You know, yep. now we have another option, another option for canker sores though. And, and, and it's funny. I had a dear friend uh, text me the other day while I was out of town. Hey, I'm dealing with canker sores. What was it? You remind, please remind me of the things you said. And she actually remembered selenium and uh, you know, selenium plays a huge role in, in that. And, and by the way, get the selenium, the 100% whole food form from Jonathan at choosetobehealthy.com. Please, please, please get it from there. That's the whole food form of selenium we use. And that's uh, RSB5 for a discount. Uh, CBD now. There's, there, oh, you got the innate response selenium. There you go. Uh, CBD now is uh, being studied and impact, impactfully is, a, is able to address canker sores as well, we're learning. Now, of course, the Mayo Clinic doesn't know what causes canker sores because, you know, it's idiopathic, right? Because they're idiots. I know it's mean to say that, but let's be honest about that. They have all the degrees in the world and they can't figure out what causes a canker sore. And then they won't acknowledge things that would actually, quote unquote, eliminate it, cure it, or relieve it uh, safely without it being approved by the Fear and Death Administration, FBI, FDA. I'm sorry. Think of FBI because of Kirk Moore and what he's been through. But a recent <laughs> study in Thailand examined CBD as a potential treatment for canker sores 
and they're finding that, that there's promising response here. They used a topical patch containing 0.1% CBD with a placebo in 100 healthy patients with recurrent, they call it aphthos ulcers, recurrent aphthos ulcers, which is basically canker sores. And they were doing the CBD three times a day for seven days. Ulcer size was measured on day zero, two, five, and seven. So it's, again, a very analytical and well done, it looks like, design study to see what's going on here. And it's placebo controlled. And the study demonstrated that that CBD reduced ulcer size and accelerated ulcer healing without any reported um, local reactions, negative reactions, or systemic. And you guys know from using CBD, you really would have to work hard to harm yourself with CBD. I mean, it'd probably have to be synthetic, honestly, to do so. And I'm not saying that everybody needs one thing's the right thing for everybody, but you got another adjunct. And I would recommend highly, as I do, the CBD we get that's certified organic U.S. grown from our friends at Nutritional Frontiers. You can use it internally and topically. And they have a transdermal uh, delivery system as well that will go wherever you put it and deeply into the area. So that's another option. So CBD, more mm-hmm. benefit, good find, Super D. You Again, go. you're right. We don't see as many CBD articles. This is a cool scientific uh, in, uh, discovery, it if you is. will, for that as well. Indeed. All right. So I, I well, I've, I saw a question pop up in uh, our chat room. Let me just see if I can go back to it. And if we know, I mean, this might be tracking back to a previous show. JO531. Hi, Robert. Do you remember having a guest on your show that helped her daughter or someone with omega fish oil? Do you remember her name? I think she helped her with a brain injury or brain injuries. Uh, offhand, I don't remember, but I do remember covering many shows with Stuart Tompkins, some of the physicians that he connected us with, with omega-3 essential fatty acids mm-hmm. and CBD. And I just don't guess recall. that helped, helped her daughter. Yeah. With a brain injury with fish oil. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I remember. Get, get a little more specific. If you can get you in just like a general like time frame, how long ago was this? That would help. Yeah. Uh, yeah and I remember a narrowed down. on our show covering a story of a traumatic brain injury where the person was in, almost in coma, comatose state, was not expected to live and re- regain function. And they went in and gave high dose fish oil, omega 3s, and high dose CBD combination. And it helped with a brain injury that was supposedly untreatable. They didn't expect recovery. This, now, this was a, a guy, right? I believe it was a male doctor, but I don't remember if it was a woman or a girl or a boy. I think in this case, it was a, a man that was, or a young man that was suffering. So it may be in a different show that she's referencing or J.O., whoever, I, I apologize. I don't know if J.O., I don't know who J.O. is. If I, if I should have or should, I'm sorry, I don't remember. Um, but the... I'm trying to remember who it was that we had on. He has a, a, a traumatic brain injury mm-hmm. practice that yeah. deals with high doses. Stuart oh, would know man. in a minute. He would know in a second. Yeah, who that who was. was that? I can't remember. Anyway. Yeah, it's but I would thing. say, to say, high dose CBD, high dose uh, fish oil. Also, if it's nearer to the time of injury, Arnica Montana is as a homeopathic is helpful. And at any point in time, near or far from the injury, natrum sulfuricum is indicated as well. If you look up in in the homeopathic materia medica, you can look up natrum sulfuricum and see how it's indicated for brain injury, concussion, that kind of thing. What else protects the brain and the nervous system? Selenium silica, copper, so many of the things that we know and we utilize here. Sovereign copper I would absolutely use as well. 
that's um, another miracle in terms of ev evolution of accessibility to these uh these minerals that may be greatly depleted or in the wrong form so if you can give us some more insight jo531 we can do some more digging hopefully find that who that was or who that is Chad's in the uh, chat room talking to folks on uh, our Facebook uh, page that we are thankfully not yes, banned right. at the moment. Thank you, Chad. Again, God bless you for all that you're doing. Dr. And, Michael Lewis. Ah, that's it. Yeah, that's Dr. Michael Lewis. Remember him? Yep. Yes, Dr. I do. Michael Thank Lewis. you. Well, well done. Did you find a specific show that we could refer? Yes, this was back in October of 2019. There's the vid. This was back in YouTube days. Uh, mm -hmm. So the 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 video is not available. Show. But is, is the audio MP3 available? He, uh, probably. Yeah, I would assume so. He founded the Brain Health Education and Research Institute. Mm -hmm. He's a former uh, colonel in the the army. And uh, he, court, he, he combined CBD with uh, super high doses of uh, omega-3 fatty acids and stuff. Mm -hmm. So anyway... That, that now that may not be the same guy that, that, that you're looking for, but I do remember that uh, show. It would be a, it would be very appropriate that show, regardless yeah. of the yeah. thing she's thinking of or he's thinking so of. This is October eighth, two thousand nineteen. Was that show? Okay. Do you have the uh, the notes already? Is I did you find the notes on that day? I did. Yes. So go ahead and put that at least put the URL for the notes in there because there may be sure. some valid links. Uh, and, and put in the in the uh, chat room if you don't mind. Uh, let's see. So I I think Chad Nedlin should join us at the RSB Family Union in Missouri, at Leslie's place. Where's he at now? I don't know, but look if he, say, can he walk, could walk, he could probably the, walk there if he started right now, right? Right now, depending on where he is. <laughs> but uh, sorry, Chad. No, but I think he's <laughs> on to something that I'm on to something, and he really crystallized it for me that if you want people to come to your event two words organic pie you got me anyway i don't know if it affects that's, it, uh, that's all it takes oh he says he's in northern wisconsin wisconsin so many oh. of our friends are now in wisconsin so i wouldn't be too far i guess huh? i mean outrageous. if you can walk all the way across the united states right yeah you just get started now <laughs> that'll be in what july i think so yeah how cool is that? Was that August or July? Now I can't remember. Got to go, but up to the events tab. Thank you. There it is. Yeah. July 14th to 16th. Wow. Wow. What a day. What a day. And and what do you think of, of Dr. Kirk Moore? We didn't get a chance. I know you were in that hat. Uh, yeah, Harry, no, it was good. Hey, but, um, uh, that is good. And I'm, uh, you know, be interested to see what happens with that. Yeah. The government needs all the support money. he can get right now because he's he's uh, he's up against it for sure. But the perception that they obviously and and that Vice magazine wants to put the guy didn't accept a penny for his services for any of that. Never charged a penny, and he, like people wanted to give him something. He's like, "Hey, give it to that health freedom group," and they're trying to say, "Well, that I did it come back around." And they know it didn't, uh, but. Like you said, the Vice magazine's not interested in knowing stuff like that. I'd be shocked if they have a, a an interest in actually finding out these facts and relating them. No. Vice is an interesting um, it's an interesting news outlet. I was mm -hmm. looking at it yesterday because I, I really don't know a whole lot about it. 
but it's interesting if you look at the history of it, Vice News or Vice mm-hmm. Media. Yeah. Um I think they're they're like Canadian, like a Canadian they're, okay. they're based in Canada right. or they're from Canada. It's like mm-hmm. a Canadian American. Their headquarters is in New York City. Yeah. Are they, they, they started off? What are they? What are they? What is their thing? <laughs> uh, let me see. I'm, it's not popping up the way that it did yesterday, unfortunately. It's mm-hmm. Vice. You know, I use three different browsers when I'm working. <laughs> um. By the way, did they come up with an article over the time we've been on the air with Kurt to kind of? I have not. I haven't checked. Let me see. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll have to search. Yeah. But anyway, I do know, I do remember reading something in, in that, I think it was last year, that, that Vice was having some major financial problems. They owned, they owed like millions of dollars they were behind on their bills and they ended up getting some kind of infusion from a million Soros? dollar loan or something like that to bail them out. Yeah. Kirk Moore. Let's see what we got. Uh, looks like that. No, it's still just the original article that they wrote. Okay. The first one back in January. So we'll see. Not that it really matters, but, uh, vice is a Canadian American magazine focused on lifestyle, arts, culture, and news and politics. It was founded in 1994 in Montreal as an alternative punk magazine. Mm -hmm. And they later launched it, uh, to be more, involved in covering other things news and politics and lifestyle yeah. and stuff but mm. apparently it was a it was an alternative punk magazine well i think if they That's got an infusion of 30 million dollars you know you got to ask where did that money come from and did it change their editorial direction from yeah i don't remember well. where they got the money from yeah but, yeah so anyway. i'm looking at a, a tweet from bobby kennedy says teamkennedy.com help me decide whether to run for president is it teamkennedy.com to volunteer or contribute if it looks like i can raise the money and mobilize enough people to win i'll jump in the race if i run my top priority will be to end the corrupt what i got it now i got to click on it clickbait (laughs) i gotta end i gotta end the corrupt merger between state and corporate power that has ruined our economy shattered the middle class polluted our landscapes and waters poisoned our children and robbed us of our values and freedoms Together, we can restore America's democracy. You know, does anybody here nitpick like I do on the word democracy? I kind of know what they mean, but it it annoys me that we don't use words that are accurate to form a government. It's it's just been a commonly accepted. Yeah. I'm just acknowledging that it annoys me because democracy doesn't mean what they think it means. And the, the form, the Republican form of government that is guaranteed by our Constitution. I say guaranteed. Obviously, we have to live up to it and defend it. But um, and all state constitutions is is a distinct and different form of government than democracy. And I think it matters. But then again, I'm a stickler for words and definitions. Unless I make the word up, then it doesn't matter. You know, it's funny, the, the, the word democracy, when you say that, it's mm-hmm. over the last few days since uh, Tucker Carlson came out with the January 6th thing. Yeah. They've been playing lots and lots of clips and, and you know, stuff that people have said in the past and, and all mm-hmm. this stuff like that. And it made me laugh because you had all the Democrats giving these speeches on the floor of the 
House of Representatives or in the Senate or whatever like that about how January 6th was an attack on democracy. Mm-hmm. And I'm, it's like, no, it was an attack. I mean, the, the people that did attack anything, they attacked a building. Yeah. They, they didn't attack democracy or they, or, or they're saying it was an attack on the Constitution. And again, I'm like, no, I no. think the Constitution still where the Constitution is at yeah. in the case somewhere. They didn't attack the Constitution. They attacked a building. Yeah, you know, if anybody they, they've got the Constitution, a, I'd say Nancy Pelosi. They've got to, you know, right. go for effect. Oh, it was an attack on the Constitution. Mm-hmm. Are you kidding me? You guys attack the Constitution every day that you guys are there. Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, come on, let's let's Chad, talk about the Chad, attack. Chad points out in the why well, the Pledge of Allegiance and to the democracy for which it stands. No, that's not it. No, he that's no good point. And for good the point. For the republic for which it is. And and I think it, again for it those for having, those who actually like, still know how to say the the uh, pledge of allegiance, pledge right? of allegiance, yeah. yeah. That's does doesn't have that you know. Yeah, I remember when I was a kid. Yeah. Every day when I was in elementary school, mm-hmm. we we do the pledge of allegiance. Yeah. You know, there was a flag in the corner of the of the the classroom, yeah. and somewhere along the way, it was like, now nah, we're not going to do that anymore. Well, now you're a racist if you do it. Yeah. Apparently, if if they if you believe what the uh, the, the artificial historians that this just discount the amazing things that have happened since the declaration was written and the constitution ratified. I, yeah. I, you know, this is something that, you know, where's the integrity to be able to discuss? Yeah, there are some problems. There are always problems. But if you look at the forms and systems of government, if, if this thing were running appropriately right, to it, to the constitution, uh, would we be better off with more freedom or less? You know, has freedom brought about improvements and enhancements in the quality of life or have it, has it been worse, made worse now in our country and Chad knows this from seeing, i um, seeing people in the most devastating of circumstances. Is it because <coughs> specifically of a declaration of independence and constitution that they were suffering for whatever was happening in their lives or was it this form of government that provided the, the greatest opportunity in the history of humanity to co-create a life that was not dependent upon a king or a queen or an emperor granting you special privileges or, or liability protection, right? What is it? Do we believe that we exist better in freedom or tyranny? And yeah, there are forms of tyranny that do exist in our government right now because they don't exists within the framework of the constitution. We've gone so far beyond it uh, to call what's happening extra constitutional. It doesn't even do justice to the word unconstitutional, but it's like it doesn't even exist anymore. But for those of us who are maybe deluded like Don Quixote and tilting at windmills, we'll still believe that it is possible to restore freedom, not naively, recognizing that it may be a difficult task because so many have been programmed to believe that freedom is the danger is the reason why we suffer. If anybody's suffering in any way, shape or form rather than the gift from God, that it is agency, freedom, choice, and that our founders tried to adopt that the best way they could in a, in a, in a, in a government that wasn't a, a theocracy as they have been in, in the past, but one that existed in a limited form to defend Liberty as opposed to trample upon it. Call me an idealist. Go ahead. I've been called worst. I worst. dare you. Yeah, I dare you. Yeah. Double dare you. All right. So what are we doing? Uh, I've got tomorrow morning, 
uh, I think at 11 a.m. Eastern time, 8 a.m. Pacific, I'm on with the world of wellness. Usually I'm on with Joe Messino or Jamie Dorley or who knows who from their group. And it, it's usually, I think they go through Restream as well and they're on their Facebook, World of Wellness. I'm going to do that in the morning. We have three uh, showings of Utah Safe and Effective tomorrow. And if you haven't checked them out, sign up. It's free. You can attend one or all of them. And they've confirmed that there's Q&A after each showing with the filmmakers. I will try to be at least at one of them for those of you. I don't know which one yet. Maybe two of them. But I'd love to see some of you guys and gals there. And if you can't make it tomorrow at any of the three showings, the 11th of March, 2023, then I'm sure it'll be made available some other way after. I don't know what that is yet. So if you can, at least share the link to get a you know free ticket, so to speak, for the online event to watch it and share it. And maybe you'll save somebody that is on the fence about getting a booster to see what we have to share with you. So shout out to all the folks that participated and that everybody volunteered to do it. It's a, an impressive feat. All right. So <clears throat> we don't have anything planned for Sunday show. Okay. So I'm guessing it's going to be you and me. huh? I think so. Let me put something together real okay. quick. Uh, and right. then we'll do an hour and then do an encore for the second. Like we do a lot. Let's well, out of town, do okay. a lot of interviews. Let's see what we and, got going on on Monday. So on Monday yeah. we've got um John. Oh, dude, this is going to be so cool. What is it? We have John Stockton on Monday. Oh, NBA Hall of Famer John Stockton. John Stockton. That is so cool. I'm so excited. It's thrilling. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So I I don't spend as much time these days as I used to uh, watching NBA, but yeah. I was I was a big fan for a long time. John Stockton, mm -hmm. former point guard for the Utah Jazz. Yeah. And he is probably I'd say he's got to be at least top 10 uh if not higher uh best point guards of all time. Oh, easily, yeah. Uh I'm I'm impartial to my Magic Johnson. Of course. Um so I'm sorry, but with that said, John Stockton was a great player. Uh, I think I believe he's like one of the all-time assist leaders. Uh, definitely, uh, and he's also and he an, was an outspoken supporter of health freedom against the jazz, and that's why obviously why he's he's going to be on this show. But yeah. <laughs> the other thing is he was a member of the uh, the nineteen ninety two uh, Dream Olympic Dream Team. Oh yeah. man, yeah. that was just like the pinnacle. Yeah. I, I don't know if you, you do you remember that they were winning by hundred points. Yeah. Oh my gosh! It was like some somewhere along the way, suddenly somebody got the idea of like, you know what? Uh, we ought to send our best guys. You know, yeah. and I don't understand why we never did that before. Right. Because well, every time you went to the Olympics, every other country sent their best players. The pros, I know. Yeah. And all so. of a sudden, somebody was like, "Ah, let's let's send the best we got." And so you had this all-star, legendary team that just went and just destroyed every. <laughs> Yeah. Every team in the Olympics and uh, Magic Johnson was one of them. John Stockton was another. Mm -hmm. um, and so anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm literally looking forward to having him on because that was back that in, in my opinion, when the NBA was magic, I, it was, yeah. it was awesome. Yeah. And so uh, that day is busy. I'm going to be uh, interviewed by Jonathan Otto's team for another update on some health issues and for a future, I guess, release. Uh, and then it looks like Pat Militech 
uh, in the afternoon there. Pat uh, Militich, yes. Yeah, Pat the Militich. Uh, UFC legend will be interviewing you um, later in the afternoon. On Monday. So Monday's a busy day. Got to have my voice ready for all of that. Yes, sir. Uh, we got Amelia Love so. scheduled that week. James Patrick. Uh, let's see. We got Guy and Ilan Ferd, Ferdman. Ferdman? Looking at the next month, next week, I'm sorry. Uh, yep. We got Dr. Stephen Soloway. Oh, and Superdon, next Friday, you're going on a little trip on St. Patty's Day. Yeah, so um, we'll be doing an encore on that day. Mm-hmm. All right, every once in a while. I, Superdon, I, every once in a while, says, could I have a day off? I'm like, no way. Uh-uh. <laughs> no, uh-uh, no, you don't do that, right? Yeah, I got a weekend trip plan there. This weekend, so unfortunately, so. I don't know your perspective on this, but really, Daylight Savings, March 12th. Really? Uh, that's Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. Lose an hour. Lose an hour. Yeah. Oh, well. Yeah. What's an hour? <laughs> What's an hour? Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you What's like enough when the, when the sun is up, now you're going to wake up in the darkness again. That's a bummer. So, anyway, yeah. any other questions oh, well. or comments coming through the chat room? I think we're wrapping up here. Looks like it's quiet. Thank you all for being here, sharing the show, and Diane loved it. Exceptional show today. Wow. Uh, cool. Leslie, 60 minutes. What's 60 minutes? All right, Chad, people need to understand. Oh, I said, what's an hour? She said 60 minutes. She's a, she's a smart aleck. I like her. She's awesome. And we have, of course, Stay at Home Mom, the great uh, podcast that's on the Robert Scott Bell Podcast Network, along with The Preacher and the Polish Girl. Preacher and the Polish Girl. That came out uh, yesterday. And the, the title of that one is Everything Fasting. Yeah. Or yeah. All Things Fasting, I think, or something like that. So Yeah, very nice. Chad has the comment. Yeah. I want to read this before we wrap up. People need to understand that we all still have freedom. We just need to understand that those freedoms do not come without consequence. Making the right choice will always be worth consequence. I agree wholeheartedly. And I have to live my life in that spirit as well and i think chad inspired a, f- a bunch of folks today to do that even more so thank you chad once again for appreciate you for being on board today so uh anywhere anything else before we wrap it up then nope that's it appreciate you guys tuning in and supporting us and giving us a reason to do what we do yes oh did and, we did, did uh, we confirm our next ama by zoom Our next AMA is going to be on Saturday, the 25th at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern. Okay, so become the, the patron supporters between now and then. You'll be in live on Zoom. That'll be fun. That's right. For as little as four ninety nine a month, and all you got to do is go click on the banner, Patreon, mm-hmm. over on the website. You can support the show. You can be a part of the AMAs and get access to all the stuff that we've got in there for you. Mm-hmm. Blessed Shabbat, y'all, Leslie says. Shabbat Shalom. Y'all have a great Shabbat. weekend. Hey, Shabbat. That's what I think when I read that. That's what it's, it's Shabbat. Lord, forgive him. for. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, my brother, Super Don. Thank you. All and right. Thank you all for being here. God bless you. Uh, see you back. Well, live for some of you on the uh, Utah Safe and Effective uh, um, film uh, releases tomorrow and uh, back live Monday on the show with all kinds of cool people, including John Stockton. Tell your friends. All right. Okay. 
We'll see you then. Have a good weekend. 